History and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Though thy getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening I catch the live stream there also we're streaming at abitumi.com forward slash time for an awakening that's a-b-i-b-i-t-u-m-i forward slash time for an awakening the live stream ought to be playing there or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices TuneIn is a free radio app in that TuneIn search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening marketplace and our partnership with the bb to me Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this uh, Sunday, March the 26th edition of Time for an Awakening. And tonight, we're in open forum. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. Myself and Brother Richard will throw out a couple topics. And uh, If you want to get involved with that, that's good. If you want to raise something else, that's good too. You can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies, 
Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your hosts, 
Brother Elliot, Sundays 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's uh, 712, 713 here in this city of Philadelphia on this uh, Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, I like uh, spring, springtime out there today in Philadelphia. Uh, let me welcome my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia. On 7th and R Street, Brother Richard is with us, and I know that you are enjoying this weather, Richard. Hey, Elliot. <laughs> you know, you know this, is, this is the funny thing about this. Um, enjoying the weather, but check this out. Now in Philadelphia, you got this here water crisis going on, right? You, did, you, did you get those uh, uh, alerts? No. Uh, what, you, what do you mean alerts? Were they send it on the, the phone or the mail? Yeah, I didn't get anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, you. We're not. Um, something happened in one of the counties, and we're not supposed to drink the drinking water. It was a, a, a chemical spill. I want to say Bucks County. It was, you know, they had a chemical spill, and and it's you know, I mean, now I got a, a another alert that said it happened Friday, but they said it happened Saturday. And it won't make run down to Philadelphia until um, tomorrow. So they are advising people not to you know not to drink any of the tap water um, in Philadelphia. And because it was a nice day, um, I, I, I got a call call from a friend. But because it was a nice day, I said, okay, I move around and I go to the supermarket I usually go to. And get getting by to buy some bottled water. The shelves are clear, Elliot. Clear. <laughs> I said, "Well, I said, is any more in the back?" He said, "No, ain't no more around." Yeah. So well, I, to be honest yeah, with you, I, I never really died. I shoot. I don't know when the last time I drank tap water. In fact, all while I was growing up, my parents always had bottled water. And then, you know, as um, me becoming an adult and all, I just kept that habit up. So I don't, I don't know when the last time I drank any tap water. I, mean, I, I, I have it. I mean, I have it. Um, I mean, and yeah, but the, it, it was just interesting that, you know, like you get this alert and, and, and you get this when it actually occurred. And now we're, you know, this now the big push. So that aside, um, you know, the, the weather is um, um, beautiful. Um, you know, it was pleasant. So, I, yes, I am. Matter of fact, I, I took off all the, you know, <laughs> off all the, I, I'm not I'm not joking with y'all. I, I ain't playing with the chill, you know. Um, and sometimes I was feeling, you know, a couple of days, you know, the temperature went up, but I was like, I'd rather be ready, you know, and, and take it off somewhere and put it in my bag. But I'll leave that alone. But otherwise, Elliot, things is and things is interesting. Uh, Richard is a um, lot of things going on, uh, things in nature, uh, mm-hmm. things in the public. You know, I, let me mention this, Richard, because uh, they had a big tornado. In fact, I meant to uh, give Brother Patrick a call, make sure he was all right down there. They had a big uh, tornado in Mississippi that killed a lot of folks down there. 
And folks oh, that, yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah, and folks mm-hmm. that look like us. Usually in some of those disasters, you see a lot of people that that don't, don't look like us. But mm-hmm. this one, it was uh, uh, a lot of the reports I've seen, the people look just like we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of uh, folks was killed. So um, I guess you'll be getting, because uh, you don't, have to, uh, you don't watch television, but you'll be seeing those um, um, alerts and all on social media. I meant to call Brother Patrick to see how they was doing down there, but I don't mm-hmm. think that the uh, those tornadoes hit around where he's at. But he's usually canvassing the state when they're doing organizing, so it could no telling where he would be. Yeah, but uh, I, I'll get a hold of him and make sure everything was all right. They had a tornado in Los Angeles, and I don't know. What, I mean. They were saying that they don't know when that has ever happened, you know, because they've been having severe weather out there. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's the way the, the you know the 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 with the the climate has been shifting. You know, now I you know I know they're pushing about climate change and and all that. I don't know. I'm not one that really can tell whether you know what is natural occurrence of at this stage, you know, in the planet for these kind of occurrences to occur, or what is as they, and, and I don't know if the time for awakening audience would um, go along with my, my way of thinking, Elliot, but, you know, you know, just like we talked about, you know, talking about this, um, when I heard about this tap water and whatever, and I thought about Mississippi and I thought about Michigan, you know, and I, and I think about the, even the food that we, you know, the, the whole way, that this here um, planet has been retrofitted, I call retrofitted, meaning that it has been a lot of the stuff that we were used to call normal, natural, you know, is not natural anymore. Like, you know, they talk about GMOs and and we talk about, you know, seeding the um, air, you know, for the temperature, you know, and Elliot, for me, we, you, you, we can imagine how many underground, um, energy colliders uh, exist that, you know, are dealing with the, you know, they call it the fundamental nature. How much does that have an effect on, you know, the planet itself besides them digging up, you know, for us to, you know, have access to the minerals so that they can create cell phones? How much does that, you know, and as an example, or moving towards electric batteries, how much effect does that have on the planet itself, when this kind of we can't imagine the type of large scale, um, you know, ge- geological changes that are going on, you know, I just I don't know, you know, if that makes sense or not, Elliot. But there's a difference between man-made uh, catastrophe that will cause, you know, like tornadoes and hurricanes and floods, um, and then those things that just happen because the planet itself is, you know, as, as any, like our bodies is going through its change at that moment in time. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, there's a lot of things happening, Richard. Uh, some of them we can explain, uh, <laughs> some of them we can't, yes. uh, some messages have been left by our ancestors in various ways. Uh, and I think we got to read the signs of the times, you know, in Jersey alone, I don't know what's been happening on the other shores, but on Jersey alone, in the past maybe three months, you've had maybe eight whales that have beached themselves 
down mm-hmm. there on the Jersey Shore. And then the other day, like eight dolphins came in. And they had people down there saying that this has never happened. They've never seen anything like this, even some of the experts. You had eight dolphins that come into the shore and just beach themselves. They were all together, mm-hmm. just beach, and they don't know what is causing this. They have no explanation. They've thrown out things, but there's no explanation why this is happening. I think nature is telling us something. Uh, we need to be listening. It just reminds me of uh, the address that Minister Farrakhan had, maybe about two weeks ago, when he was talking about Armageddon. Mm-hmm. See, it's, it's a lot of things going on, Richard, and we got to pick up on the, what's the sign of the times. I, I know people don't necessarily subscribe to the Bible because it's been tampered with by Europeans. But a lot of those messages were written long before Europeans even understood what the hell was going on. So it's a lot of messages there for us to understand. Uh, and we see a lot of this stuff right before our eyes, but we don't, some of us really don't understand what's going on. And I don't say that I do, but I know that there's something going on that is unexplained that we can't explain but his answer's there. Um, some of the things happening now, Richard, in regards to, and you was talking to me about uh, this trip with Harris uh, over there in the continent. And you, you know, go okay, ahead. okay, go ahead. excuse me. No, go ahead. No, no it, it, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you brought that up because, the, and, and it's, 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 uh, the Harris, the vice president, and this whole American uh, I, uh, agenda item with Africa that um, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna say it disturbs me a little bit. You know, uh, I always say I'm a Marcus Garvey conservative, right? Um, I mean, I, I I believe that African people should um, have control and have a relationship with the nations um, um, in, on the continent. Um, and that the continent should be under the auspice of the control of African people. And some people will call, you know, will call that a pan-Africanist um, view. And we're right now in a, in a moment in, you know, here in America where, you know, in our, I, you know, people who are um, interest groups who are seeing that we need to, you know, kind of delineate or make it clear um, for policy purposes, for reparation purposes, that we have our own self-identity um, as a political um, class within America um, out of our own interest because of, you know, our the, the assessment is our condition is dire. So we shouldn't have a global um, perspective or we shouldn't be looking at African people um, you know, in other places like on the continent or in the Caribbean. I, I'm I'm not necessarily, I agree we should um, be clear who we are and create our our own political policy, but I'm not clear, I'm not um, uh, uh, convinced um, for other reasons that we should um, give up the fight to be a sovereign, self-governing global people. I, I I don't see that. And rely that America will be America, American foreign policy and American representatives will be looking out for, you know, 
the um, whether you say African Americans or or people who who are here because of you know brought here specifically because of enslavement. I'm not um, one that think that the interests of America, uh, nation state, is and foreign policy it has um, benefited and will benefit um, Black Americans specifically. You know, I don't know if you agree with that, but Elliot, but I, I just don't see that that way. So when Kamala is going to, I mean, it's not just Kamala. They had the Treasury Secretary, they had Balkan, and remember we we did the discussion about the Africans, Biden hosting um, these um, Africans um, from, you know, different African countries here into, in D.C., and you had the, the, the New York mayor, you know, kind of making this pronouncement about how, you know, like, you know, they need to get with, you know, and he talking about the black mayors, you know, how, how they got black men. They need to get with them, you know, because they, they know. I don't know if that's going to benefit black, um, black people in general. I ain't saying no black people will benefit, but I don't know American foreign policy will benefit black people. And so when I see, you know, this and Kamala going, I'm, I'm, you know, it, 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 it brings, Questions to my mind. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Ellie, or not. Well, well, listen, I know that you doing that for conversation when you say that you don't know whether it's going to benefit black people. You know that it's not going to benefit black people. It's not intended to benefit the masses of black people. You know, if we, because I read it on the program before, when they issued that uh, directive about the U.S., Africa engagement. And if you remember, Richard, and I, I can't find it. It's not, not in front of me. One of the initial ones was to foster a diaspora Africans to have relations with Africans on the continent. You remember that, Richard? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I got to get it because I want to read it again. See, they wanted to determine the parameters of your relationship with people of your nativity. The, the rank and file blacks and some of them, I'm not saying all of them. It's, it seemed like some of the ones on social media, they want to keep uh, foolish disputes going on. But these Europeans, they ain't looking for no disputes. They looking to strengthen ties with the continent and strengthen ties with, with people that they have favorable to them in government. And if they don't have somebody favorable in government, they're looking for ways to get them out. And you know the ways that the U.S. decides to get people out, whether it's to start coups, uh, whether it's to develop other candidates to run against them in their interests, or ultimately, like you've seen in other times, and like we've seen in recent times with Gaddafi and others, where they just send people in there to to ultimately or uh, get rid of them. That's the objective of what they're doing. Whether they send Kamala Harris, whether they send Lloyd Austin, whether they send Linda Thomas Greenfield, who all look like me and you, or whether they send uh, Biden's wife, Biden, Biden himself, Anthony Bilkin, uh, uh, what's that, Janet Yellen, any of these mm-hmm. people. None of these people are over there for the benefit of Africans on the continent or Africans in America. Period. 
and, 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 you know, and it's, you know, as I was trying to formulate, you know, a coherent thought around this, you know, because as you say, and I agree, you know, I agree wholeheartedly. The question is why, right? Now we always go to um, the the point of that it's, you know, we know that um, American uh, um, or, or transnational businesses and the disruption of creating new economies you know, that America has a, a particular interest, right? You know, uh, America um, in the, that bauxite or or whether, you know, even now understanding America is looking at the size of the continent, you know, the population size of the continent, and then raising the question of new markets. You know, um, I know um, people will remember um, if they haven't, to go, you know, see um, the um, at the point when Johnson from um, Johnson and Johnson Publishing Company um, 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 put and the um, was that the Department of uh, I think it was the Department of, of of Commerce put out that video of how to sell to the Negro. I don't know if you you remember that, um, Elliot, and they they you know and they went through about how this black middle class that, that had income will will you know will be selling go ahead hold up Richard. yeah go ahead finish your thought yeah they, they would be selling you know they they would be buying this merchandise and then at that time you know the 50s 60s this is when um, um white companies weren't necessarily marketing to um the black consumers specifically right so they, they created this process well the continent you know, becomes another, and because of the size, the youthful size of its population, it becomes another um, venue where you would see the development of a middle class. Um, I heard numbers like 100, you know, we're talking about 1 billion people, um, young people, the youngest people on the planet, and they're talking about a population of maybe 130 million that will be considered uh, middle income or middle class status, which means that 130 million, they, they can sell goods. So we're not just talking about raw material. Um, we're talking, and we're not just talking about a young population. And we're talking about also a population they can sell um, goods to, you know, while they're pushing China and Russia as the bad guys. So that's one thought that comes to why um, this point of, and I, if, if you don't, y'all don't mind, I want to develop this thought in relationship to why Kamala um, and 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 the, and the crew that you mentioned um, is looking at the continent now. In this here article coming out of um, um, BBC, it says uh, Kamala Harris trip that Africa trip can um, can U.S. charm offensive woe continent from China. Mm. Well, from but you know, okay, for those who are saying China, remember I'm saying that right now the continent has the youngest, largest population, and it also is the right now it's the most uh, in each one of those nation states they have um, a lot of destabilization because young people are not necessarily as of yet have the resources that they feel that they're entitled to um, in their own host countries. Um, they should, another way to say it, they, don't, they see the poverty around them and they see the colonialism. We, we talked about at another point about France. 
you know, how France and the, and the French speaking countries, how the extraction that France had on, on, in those, in those countries. Right. So we, we see that. So this in saying, you know, the U, the U S wants to secure. Now we already know, uh, Obama put all those bases on the continent or put political advisors. What is, what is that thing they call it? Um, the, the, the military thing when they, they sent all, you know, they would start establishing bases on, on the continent. They started um, sending military advisors, um, which was, you know, under uh, American support. The, the, the name of it, um, <clears throat> uh, lose me. So they already got a military presence. Now they got this, this diplomatic presence. They bring Africans here. And it says this flurry of visits by top figures in the U.S. administration reflects a growing awareness that the U.S. needs to deepen its engagement with the continent. Why? I mean, why? And they say to us, this all comes in the face of growing competition, you know, you know, from other global powers, especially China and Russia. You know, they keep bringing up China and Russia. But you know what also happened, um, Elliot? You know, I, I have to bring up here. Um, there was another um, um, two incidents that occurred that has that has nothing to do with China and Russia, but it may also have something to do with this young population that they're they're concerned from a from a geopolitical. And and I'm I'm reading from uh, a uh, article where it says Palestine and Zimbabwe historic relations embraced by the Palestinian International Cooperation in, in Agency. The Palestinian International Cooperation Industry, Industry Agency launched a new mission in the Republic of Zimbabwe. Now, what, what, what list is Zimbabwe on? What list, um, what, well, how is Palestine viewed um, as it relates to the geopolitics in America and American interests? Now, keep in mind, you have uh, this young population that is being that is right now um, thinking a lot of them thinking in their own interests and they're not in support of, of of the Western powers this time to intensely this going on with this article this time to intensify the momentum of their cooperation with the countries of the African continent through a development a, a development program aimed at developing the capacities of media personnel in the Republic of Zimbabwe. Do you think that they are concerned, that the U.S. State Department is concerned about that as much as they're concerned about uh, Russia and China? You know, I'm saying this to the Time for Awakening audience, because here is a Palestine and Zimbabwe are to the West, not just to the United States, they're two countries that United States have put in a negative geopolitical positioning. And here on the continent, they have cre- are creating a relationship with it. And 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 what why why I think that that's that's important that's important, right? Why why do I think that's important? Um the, you know, and it goes to when the when the um, the, the Treasury Secretary um, Yellen, as you mentioned er, el, el, earlier, Elliot, um, she went um, to um, 
and I'm trying to find this article. She went to um, the uh, the she went to the, the Africa in order to be able to um, create a a, a relationship. Um, you know, um, with the African, that's the Treasury Secretary, right? So she goes um, beforehand. And in this one article that um, it was interesting what they said, um, and because they said that the concern was that this young population, one of the four things that they have to be concerned with is the young population um, that exists on the continent that's dissatisfied. That's another element. Going back to this young population and and being an, a lot being anti-Western, not the leadership, not the political leadership, but this young population being anti-African. Where are they going to go? No, they're, you know, an, they're anti-Western. They're not anti-African. Yes, you're right. I, I apologize. Right, and, and 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 then what? Another thing that occurred. Now you got the the Palestinians and the Zimbabweans. Um, making a relationship, and then you have uh, this um, in, and I think this was um, recent February. Israel diplomats, the Israel diplomat removed from the African Union summit. A block official says the envoy was removed because she was not duly accredited to attend the event in Ethiopia. A senior Israeli diplomat has been removed from the African Union annual summit in Ethiopia as a dispute over Israel accreditation to the bloc is escalated. What does that mean? I mean, on one hand, the Palestinians is being accepted. And then you obviously have within the African Union at a summit meeting, which I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Elliot, you know, because I, I just could never see how Israel could be even considered. But OK, but there's obviously an internal dispute going on right in the African Union as it relates to Israel, just like there was an internal uh, amongst the African nations, uh, a dispute when the U.S. was trying to get um, all the African nations to be against um, Russia. I, I don't know if you remember that. And I don't know if the Time for Awakening audience remember that moment when um, they had to take a vote. And a lot of the African countries, well, some abstained, some voted against, and then, yes, some voted for um, in relationship to the West. Right. But this, this point of, is it about just Israel? I mean, is it just about Russia and China? Or is it about these one billion young African people who have a anti-Western view from the colonialism or United States, and they wish to be under their own auspices, that they have a challenge. And and in that challenge, they're concerned with um, having these... uh, you know, um, the possibility of being placed in the same kind of situation that they were placed before. Well, listen. Say that again, I'm sorry. 
I, I mean, said, no, you, I say that to me is detention. Well, one of the listen, one of the areas also that's that's key for me is the more than just uh, Africans developing a relationship with China or Russia is the control of the African mind. Mm. Whether it's Africans on the continent or Africans in the diaspora. See, Europeans look at you both the same. It's us that's been affected by colonialism and neocolonialism that don't look at us the same. Oh, he's an African. He didn't see that. Uh, he's from the islands. He didn't see that. Those, those foolish bickerings. Those things come from colonialism or neocolonialism. But they look at you all the same. And they want to control the minds of the young people. Now, I'm looking at the itinerary on Harris going over there. The, the, the White House issued it. And you know all the regular trips they make. She's first going to Ghana, and you know she's going to Cape Coast Castle and all the other stuff. And she's going to mm-hmm. meet with youth in Tanzania. She's going to meet with youth in Ghana. And it mentions here in this White House briefing, and I'll just read this paragraph. Uh, so you can expect a lot of this trip in Africa will build on the scene this theme of building a partnership with Africa, and this remains her focus. Again, she remains very much focused on the future of Africa and its future, uh, looking at this future on her trip in recognition that the median age on the continent is 19. And by 2050, one in four people on the planet will be on the African continent. Now, now let that sink in, Richard. Mm -hmm. The median age, the millions of people that's on that continent, the median age is 19. And by 2050, one in four people uh, on this planet will be on the continent. So it's really up to you. And Listen, it's not even saying where the European population is at that point. They already know their population is decreasing. So it's important for them to really take control of the mind of these people Mm. and your people here, your children. Now, what is some of the biggest things? What is one of the biggest things that they're pushing on your children here, Richard? What is it? Entertainment. Yeah, and and what in entertainment? Um, what's that? The music. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's there. But one of the key things is a part of their part foreign policy. Now, let me yeah. read this because this was issued on the by the White House on three twenty one a couple of days ago. Washington. The State Department spokesman John Kirby insisted on Tuesday that LGBTQ rights are the core part of U.S. foreign policy. Kirby's remarks came during a White House briefing following a question about whether it was the concern of the State Department uh, that Russia may be attempting to influence Africa to drive a wedge between it and the U.S. President Biden has been nothing but consistent about his belief, says the spokesman Kirby. 
uh, Kirby responded to the question on Tuesday, and LGBTQ rights are human rights, and we will never shy away or be bashful about speaking up for those rights and for individuals who live as they deem fit and as they want to live. And that's something that is a core part of our foreign policy, and it will remain so. Now, let's let's look at that, Richard, because that's a core part of the U.S. foreign policy. If you remember during the Obama administration and when uh, 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 Hillary Clinton went over there, she was telling all those nations in order to get aid, in order to get help, you have to accept changes in your government to accept LGBTQ rights and people. Mm-hmm. And it was a pushback. And it still is a pushback. It still is. Now, that's not being stated uh, by your representatives. And when I say your, I'm talking about representatives that look like you, whether it's Greenfield, whether it's Harris. Harris never said she was African-American, but she's she, uh, she's dark. Uh, whether it's uh, 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 Lloyd Austin, but it's there. It's a part of something that they're pushing against. I'm going to reference this article from Al Jazeera, which came out two to three days ago, and it mentions a couple of countries in particular. It says, uh, the, the header says, why is Kenya and Uganda cracking down on LGBTQ rights? Now, listen to the flavor of this article, Richard, because it goes to this full court press on the young people of that continent. And they're using, Richard, a pawns in this game is your children here. And when I say your ch- our children here, when I say our children, our young people, that's entertainers, that's hip-hop artists, some sports figures, they're going over there and they're, a lot of these things are already involved in what they're doing, especially in the music industry. So they're being pawns in this game to get young people on the continent whose median age is 19 to accept this type of behavior. Now, listen, listen to this. I'm going to read this article from Al Jazeera, which came out three days ago. And then the listening audience can, can go right to Al Jazeera and just type in, why are Kenya and Uganda cracking down on LGBTQ rights and read the article? I'll just read a little bit of it. It says Kenya and Uganda are moving further to curtail rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and other people whose relationships are already deemed illegal in the conservative East African nations. After a session lasting nearly seven hours, Ugandan lawmakers approved an anti-homosexuality act on Tuesday, ordering harsh penalties for anyone who engages in same-sex activity. While more than 30 African countries, including Uganda, already banned same-sex relationships, the new law passed appears to be the first to outlaw merely identifying as LGBTQ, uh, the Human Rights Watch says. In Kenya... In February, a ruling by the Supreme Court upheld verdicts by the lower court stating that the government states in the in the sense of human rights and democracy, if that makes sense. And 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 if you wish to continue on, I'll just because I was just 
um, placing context that this isn't just something happening and trying to make comparison to where we are uh, here in dealing with our identity challenges with each other, identity and ideological. But when it gets to American foreign policy, they're dealing with the continent and we're not even dealing with the discussion. We're not dealing with the discussion of what does that mean for us or how many of us will benefit from this when they're looking at the future based off of that, if that makes sense. Now, now I don't know where, because I don't know what happened there, but uh, where did you, where did I, uh, did you lose me at? At the point of saying what the um, Kenyan, uh, I think it was Kenyan in Ethiopia you mentioned, in the article that you were reading. Kenyan, Uganda. Uh, but I don't, Uganda. How, I don't know how far I got down into the article. Do you and remember? I, it was just in a couple of chapters. But it was interesting that you reinforce those countries because what um, comes up is that these, for all of them, um, um, they continue to come up. Um, those particular, the Rwanda, um, Congo, um, South Africa, but you, the countries you were dealing with was dealing with um, East Africa, particularly as far as them not accepting those um, policies being directed towards them. Which is a part of America's foreign policy strategy. Yes, yeah, so, well, uh, according to um, uh, the State Department here, it's the core value of their foreign policy. Right. Now, according to this article in Al Jazeera, over 30 countries in Africa don't accept that type of lifestyle, and 22 of them have severe punishments for them. And they happen to be focusing in on Uganda and Kenya, but if it's 22 that have severe punishments, it's, they're just dealing with two. And I kind of read to you what the president, I don't know whether I caught that or whether I was cut off when I was. No, I mean, you can um, reiterate that um, point as far as what I I think you said, what the president said. Yeah, let me, I'll go back and uh, because I don't know how much was heard. uh, uh, It's an article that was in Al Jazeera that came out a couple of days ago uh, that talked about the crackdown on the continent of this LGBTQ uh, Initiative. Now, keep in mind, Richard, that money was allocated by the State Department over $10 million to push this globally. So you have people in different countries where they consider hot spots or spots that uh, are not that receptive to go over there and and push stuff, similar to um, somebody coming in there to kind of disrupt things. You you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So these people that's in these countries are there for a purpose. They might work for the, uh, uh, what is what is that? The Peace Corps. Uh, mm. Where did Linda Thomas Greenfield come out? She came out of the Peace Corps, didn't she? Right, right. Yeah, right. They, they might be Peace Corps op- operatives. They might be a, 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 a pastor or, or, or a priest there in those countries that are pushing these things, but they have a hidden objective or another alternative. Now, a lot of the African countries are saying, and they're not. There, a lot of the African voices are concerned about these NGOs that are there for that reason that you speak of. Okay, I'm, I just want to uh, reiterate because uh, I don't know how much of this article was heard. I, I'll mm-hmm. read just a couple paragraphs. I won't go back over the whole article. Um, I'll start from here. In Kenya, on February, a ruling by the Supreme Court upheld verdicts by the lower court stating that the government could not lawfully refuse to register organizations calling itself the National Gay and Lesbian Rights Commission. 
But President William Roto and many religious leaders and political pundits have been condemning the court's decision and conclusion that the Constitution barred discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. Uh, The president stated, I am a God-fearing man, and whatever happens at the court, even we respect uh, the court, we respect our culture, we respect our values. Christianity and Islam cannot allow women to marry each other or men to marry his fellow man. Supporters of both nations say the lifestyles of the LGBTQ community threatens traditional values. The same-sex relationships are legal in only 22 of Africa's 54 countries and are punishable by death or lengthy prison terms in some, according to the Global Review on International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Intersex Association. Africa accounts for nearly one-half of the countries worldwide where homosexuality is outlawed. Uh, Uganda is notorious for strict views on homosexual intolerance and uh, intolerance towards homosexuality, which is criminalized, which was criminalized under colonial law. President Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni, in a speech, said Western countries should stop wasting time and humanity by trying to impose their practices on other people. You said stop wasting time. Yeah. In Kenya, Archbishop Jackson Ole Sapti of the Anglican Church, and I know I'm butchering these names, of the Anglican Church speculated that the alleged spread of homosexuality was a sinister ploy by environmentalists to depopulate the globe in efforts to address climate change. Meanwhile, a parliamentary session, MP Joshua Kimula condemned the court's decision as violating the law that warned Kenyan culture can be ruined by the West. The United States and the United Nations on Wednesday called for Masaveni to reject what they say is an appalling anti-gay bill. U.S. Secretary Anthony Bilkin said the legislation would undermine fundamental human rights of all Ugandans and could reverse gains to fight against AIDS and HIV and urge Ugandans to reconsider the implementation of the bill. He's urging Ugandans. Okay. Mm. You kind of know what it's hidden language and all of this stuff, Richard. Mm. In In recent weeks, Ugandan authorities have cracked down on LGBTQ people at religious, after religious leaders and politicians alleged students were being recruited into homosexuality in schools. This month, Ugandan authorities arrested a secondary school teacher in the eastern district of Jenna over accusations of grooming young girls into unnatural sex practices. She was subsequently charged with gross indecency and is in prison awaiting trial. On Friday, a day after Masavente's speech, Ugandan police said they arrested six men for practicing homosexuality. The police said on Monday that they arrested six people accusing accused of running a network that actively involved in grooming young boys for acts of sodomy. Kenya's Minister of Education announced that it would be deploying chaplains to schools to prevent infiltration of LGBTQ people. So 
it's a, it seems to be a full court press among these nations to fight back against this U.S. foreign policy. Uh, mm. According to the State Department head, that uh, LGBTQ rights is the core part of U.S. foreign policy. So that is, w- is being pushed over there by Kamala Harris and all of those others that went over to those countries. And, and the carrot is being waved in front of their face is foreign money or foreign aid or helping with food. But to, in order to get that food or to get that foreign aid, you got to accept this. This is what we're talking about right here. This is what and, you're saying. And, and, and Elliot, to, to show that, as you say, that the, the, the full court press comes in many ways. Now, you mentioned Kenya, right? as one of the countries that's targeted targeted with this particular policy. And then I'm looking at this article, Tech Cabal, J.P. Morgan opens, Kennedy, opens, opens Kenya office, now operational Af- in Africa for big tech hubs. J.P. Morgan America and the world's largest bank of, of market capitalization which is headquartered in New York, now has a regional office in Nairobi, Kenya. Now, what do you think is the relationship between a a big bank like J.P. Morgan, a country like uh, Kenya, and a policy initiative uh, being influenced that the Kenyans don't, you know, don't want that, especially the, and I think you mentioned um, church uh, representatives in Kenya um, who are actually against this kind of practice. And then that this is a part of a grand uh, strategy coming out of the national security. What do you think that one has nothing to do with the other? <laughs> you know, I think it has everything to do with the other. He says the bank will oversee its East African business and operation from its new Nairobi regional office, according to a to, uh, a, to a 2018 interview of the bank CEO, Jamin Diamond, reposted on Kenyan's Wall Street. This move was a five-year process uh, due to regulatory issues. In that re- interview, Diamond stated that the bank had hired a special team of bankers to help coordinate and expand the bank relationship in Africa, especially in Kenya and Ghana. Now, isn't Ghana someplace that uh, Kamala is visiting? Yeah. Diamond had, had expressed the bank's interest in expanding its services and targeting large multinationals who are not well served by local investment banks, banking firms due to lack of expertise. Now, who is the multinationals and who is the local investment banking firms? It seemed to me that the multinationals would be American multinational like J.P. Morgan and the local investment bank banking firms would be the local investment bankings of Kenya and that means that the ones who will be getting the business for the local inv- will be getting the business in Kenya around finance around their economic finance will be JP Morgan so does even though they're in Kenya will the money go outside of of US concerns 
or will it stay within the U.S. concerns because they said that the local uh, investment banking firms, due to lack of expertise in handling large transactions. That's what they say about us. You don't have, the, you know, yeah, you're not capable. You don't have the knowledge base in order to do it. Well, listen, Richard, I just stated and, and that they look at both of us the same. It's we here that's supposed to be a little more sophisticated that look at uh, our brothers and sisters on the continent, in the islands, even in South America, with large numbers of our people as something different. They look at all of us the same. And Richard, one thing that I noticed because I want to read this one last before we take a break, and uh, and and some calls on the line. I read this article about the pushback of several African countries with this initiative that the United States is part of their foreign policy. Now, here's something here that don't exist here. The people are left to themselves to deal with this. And when I say the people, I'm talking about black people, the black populace, the black rank and file. Let me read this again, because it was dealing with Kenya in particular and the president, William Rota. Rota. It says, but President William Rota and many religious leaders and political pundits, so when it says political pundits, to me that means like activists in the community, mm. have been condemning the court's conclusion saying that it, uh, on the basis of uh, the conclusion that the Constitution barred discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. And the president said, I'm a God-fearing man, and, and we respect the courts, but we respect our culture, our values, and Christianity and Islam cannot allow men to marry women, women to uh, men to marry their fellow men. Now, it mentions that the pushback, even though the court said, well, you know, you have to be fair and let these people be here. The, it said that the president, the religious leaders, and political pundits here, it was a pushback, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not happening here. Mm-mm. Because uh, we're colonized, so your religious leaders and your political pundits and your politicians are going along with this policy. Your churches, because they get money from these uh, initiatives, uh, these uh, ch- church initiatives and government to church, to, you know, helping them out and their five hundred one c three. They have to go along with this, so you mm-hmm. won't get the same response that you get here, where the president, the religious leaders, and political pundits are pushing back against this. You're not going to get that here. It's going to have to be the people alone that's going to have to push back. And I'm talking about black people with some consciousness about them has to push back on these things. They have to. Mm. Now, let me read this here. And I'm, this was an article that was published in the a British, excuse me, a German publication. And you remember when it said here in Uganda, this 
stuff was based on colonial laws, right? Mm-hmm. Look at this German publication here, and this article was published on December 2019. It says, why Africa is a difficult place for homosexuals. That's the header. And it talked about here some cases here that went on. Uh, Zambia arrested 15 men uh, and, and uh, sentenced them to 15 years in prison for having consensual sex in hotel rooms. In Uganda, it mentioned 125 people were rounded up. In Nigeria, 47 men pleaded innocent to charges of public bis- displays of affection on the same sex. And it mentioned different African countries that had cracked down. And then it mentioned, it gives uh, headers for five things that they're dealing with. It says, the first one says, so why is Africa such a difficult place for LGBTQ community? It says there are reasons, but colonial laws, religious morality, and the idea that homosexuality is imported by the West are the most influential. Now, it says colonial era sodomy laws. Of the 72 countries worldwide that criminalize homosexuality, 32 of them are in Africa and are punishable uh, in a range from imprisonment to death in such countries as Mauritania and Sudan. More, More than half of these are former British colonies where the uh, colonial administration introduced laws prohibiting unnatural acts. Now, Richard, do you see that? Mm -hmm. It's saying here, and I'll read it again for the audience. It says more than half of these countries with these laws are former British colonies. And the colonies administrators introduced these laws prohibiting unnatural acts. So what they're saying is, it was no laws against this until the European countries who were former colonizers had introduced these laws. Right. Which introduced those practices. <laughs> yeah, but wait a minute. It says there was no laws against these things. That's a lie. But that's Europeans saying that. It was always laws against those behaviors. Long before Europeans could, before they even reached the continent, it was laws against those behaviors. Mm. It wasn't laws against those behaviors in European and Greco-Roman culture. It was no laws against it. Now here, let me read a couple more of these paragraphs. Africans are among the world's most religious people. Around 93% of sub-Saharan Africans are either Christian, Muslim, or practice a traditional African religion, making the continent the most religious in the world. Now, don't that sound a little uh, uh, similar, Richard, to what they say about you here in the United States? Yeah. That's what they say. It's That's what they say. Now, it says here that it's the most religious continent in the world. With 93% of the people either Christian, Muslim, or practicing a uh, traditional religion. So you mean to tell me that they didn't have laws against these behaviors until European colonizers introduced them? Mm. The other, because it's naming reasons why it's difficult. And these are some of the reasons. Because the continent is more religious, 
because half of the uh, uh, the, the British colonizers introduced these these laws, and here's one here: homosexuality is promoted as un-African. It says African elites, which include political, religious leaders, and community leaders, often claim that homosexual practices are imported by the West are evil. Now, it's stated here, Richard, in this publication, that African elites, which include political, religious, and community leaders, often claim that homosexual practices are imported Western evil. Mm-hmm. Long-term, now this article was written when, uh, uh, I think uh, Mugabe had just passed, but it says long-term Zimbabwean leader Robert Mugabe called homosexuality un-African and a white disease. Mm. Ugandan President Yoriri Museveni says it is a Western import. Now it says here, uh, Homosexuality existed in Africa long before the continent was colonized. Extensive evidence collected by anthropologists and other scholars show that uh, same-sex practices can be found over the continent and predate colonization. Now, Richard, listen. That's quite possibly, and and it's evidence, that's, that's true. But the thing is this, because wait a minute, I'm quite sure they could say that somebody was a thief long before colonization or somebody Mm. slept with somebody's wife long before colonization. Those are human behaviors, but it was laws against those things. Just like it was laws against taking somebody's wife, just like it was laws against stealing. It was laws against those things. That's what made it a difference. And it was laws against those things long before Europeans stepped foot on the continent. Now, let me play this here, because here's where it wasn't laws against this. And I want to thank her. Because, <laughs> see, uh, this was, a, I don't know, about 10 years ago when me and Brother Ridge uh, brought the irritated genie over there to uh, North Philly to this uh, hall. I don't think the hall exists no more. And he gave me this clip, and I kept it on my computer, but I want to play it now because it's kind of apropos to the conversation. Here it is, Richard. Check. Oh, wait a minute. I don't... Uh-oh. I don't have it. I think I do. I, I did, but now I, I think when, my, when it went down, I, I kind of lost it. I'll get it back up because it kind of plays into the conversation. When we come back, Richard, I want to play this clip from uh, Roland Martin. Uh, It was a good conversation that he had in reference to a case that he brought up about black media. Um, I just want to share it with the listening audience because I think it's it's important. But, uh, you know, we'll deal with that after we take this break. Uh, We're in open forum. I see some calls on the line, and we'll get to them right after this break. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit you black family, to join your interconnected commit you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans. 
who claim that they do not see color. As if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football.
You're listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> wow. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 834 in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in open form. Anything that's on your mind, you give us a call. We'll talk about it. You can reach the program by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Richard, before we go to the phones, let me... Um, I want to play this clip by uh, Roland Martin. He was talking about a station in Tennessee that was being, their FCC license was being revoked, broadcast license. Uh, it was a station that was formerly owned by James Brown. In fact, he, he, he it was his station. Uh, somebody else, you know, after its passing, had taken it over. Um, and this guy had, uh, I think he had uh, some tax evasion, some income that he hadn't reported and uh he paid the debt uh you know did things required but they still want to take the license and just listen to i want you to listen to the conversation that he had it's about four minutes listening audience and i'm gonna tie it into something that we kind of talk about constantly on the program also it was a letter uh by some um uh, a black media organization, but it doesn't say who, and maybe it was a you know members of different media organizations that wrote a letter to the FCC in reference to what had been going on. But <clears throat> let me first try to uh, uh, get this clip of uh, of Roland Martin, uh, his program, and the um, the conversation that was had in reference to uh, uh, the station down there in uh, in Memphis. And uh, and then we'll kind of uh, transition back and get some of these calls on. Pull this up here. Um, the only black-owned radio station in Tennessee is at risk of losing its license from the Federal Communications Commission. The FCC is threatening to revoke Joe Armstrong's license for WBJF after Armstrong failed to report his conviction for falsifying tax returns. Armstrong's lawyer, Andrew Ward, defended Armstrong in this statement. He said this conviction has nothing to do with the station, and we believe it is an injustice to use this against him. Continues to provide a, he continues to provide a valuable service running WJBE, which is important to the community of Knoxville. He served his probation successfully, paid his fine, and, has, and had his civil rights restored. He has done everything to the, the criminal justice system has asked him to do. Now, Armstrong revived the radio station in 2012, owned by James Brown in the 60s and 70s. WBJF was the only black-oriented uh, radio station uh, in East Tennessee. Now, now, what's strange here, Larry, is that they say that he didn't note this on subsequent paperwork about this tax, tax issue. But this is not like it was a violation of indecency standards. Uh, so, you know, I can get it if you say we'll issue a fine, but literally snatching the license? So I guess Republicans wouldn't consider this an overreach because it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. 
And so yeah, his attorney highlighted that the two issues are, are not related. In addition, you highlighted one that this station plays a critical role as it relates to important topics, information, relaying information to the black community. So this station is a community jewel. And as you highlighted before, it been around for decades. So once again, this this is an overreach by the by the government, and I had it, it makes absolutely no sense. I'm sorry to hear that this that they're trying to take the license away, but I'm hoping some uh, federal officials will you know send a letter to find out what's going on and support efforts to make sure that he can keep his license and the station can continue to provide a vital vital resource in the black community. Racy. Yeah, you know, I, when when did the FCC start doing anything again? I haven't heard about shit that they're doing. So it, this whole dims the rules situation when it comes to a black radio station is very convenient. So I, this definitely just seems excessive, and it's in the public interest to have a black-owned radio station operating. And so hopefully the owner, you know, you're not supposed to falsify documents. I understand that. You're supposed to follow the rules. I understand that. But at the end of the day, this is um, a, a major uh, factor in terms of black-owned radio. And so hopefully they do the right thing on this one because we know that there's Donald Trump, goddamn, didn't pay his taxes, and he has all kind of tax shit, and he's still off somewhere getting secret service protection, living his best life. So I think they can go ahead and and find somebody else to have the license or whatever fine they have to get through. Do that because this is this is definitely excessive. Greg, yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I mean, this is where we have to, the words you used earlier. Pressure is very important. It's extremely important. I mean, is he being persecuted? I mean, this is a guy who was a Democratic state rep in Tennessee. Uh, they convicted him in 2016 of making a false statement on his 2008 tax return because he had failed to disclose some income based on selling some cigarette tax stamps that wasn't illegal to do. And then he filed later. Uh, he, he, he paid, he paid, you know, for what he had done. And then he filed later, uh, in terms of FCC filings related to the station and he filed a little late. And you look at it and say, well, this is kind of a technicality. Why are y'all drilling down on this? And you can't help but think it's political. Having something else that we paid for, namely federal oversight in terms of the FCC, used as a cudgel against a black man in East Tennessee with a black radio station, you can't help but sit back and think to, think to yourself, is this a matter of the rules or is this just a matter of politics being uh, played? Yeah, uh, uh, and again, folks, uh, understand the FCC governs all broadcast licenses. So we're talking about radio stations, television stations. They don't govern cable. Uh, and so, y'all, pulling of a license is extremely rare. I mean, it is uh, very, very rare when that action is taken uh, in this country. And so uh, we'll see uh, what happens. Rigid. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, <clears throat> that that was just before fall when uh, of last year when that was done. Now, I'm reading that to to kind of associate that with what we have been talking about in the past, uh, and I and it came up when we had uh, the uh, uh, sister on last or the doctor, uh, mm-hmm. the young sister Charity Clay on last week when I mentioned about that act that cut the legs from under black radio. And she said that it also cut the leg under conscious hip hop. You remember when she mentioned that? Right. Yep. Now 
Look at what Martin had brought up. The three people, Greg Carr, and it was a, it was a sister and another brother, tried to associate it with some type of Republican backlash on black radio. Did you hear them say it was political? Right. Well, you know, it's not political unless you want to count both Democrats and Republicans. Because this stuff was long before uh, any Trump or any Republican backlash. But let me share this letter that was written, and it was printed in the griot. This was a while ago, and it was shared by a media, black media group, and they sent it to the FCC. Check out what they say. This is time for awakening audience. And associated with what you just heard in reference to that station in Memphis. The header says, Black Media Group confronts FCC on the demise of black radio. It says, a group of media organizations on Monday will deliver a letter to Federal Communications Chairperson, and there was a chairperson at the time, was Julia Julius Janokowski, I think that's his name, demanding that the FCC look into the demise of black radio in America and the impact it has had on urban communities. In, the major, in many major cities, there are just two or even one urban theme radio station left, and the number of black-focused talk radio even smaller. Black radio ownership and voices have been spiraling backwards since the Telecommunications Act of 1996, says Paul Porter, the founder of Media Watchdog Industry, told the Grio. It's time for the FCC to take a serious look and right the wrong of the muted mess we call black radio today. Regardless of media consolation, whites have the entire political and social spectrum on their radio dial, from Pacifica to Rush, with NPR to all news radio in the middle, says Todd Stephen Burroughs, a lecturer in the Communications Studies Department at Morgan State University, and a signatory to the, this letter. Historically, Black radio stations have had to fulfill all the functions black people needed. Educator, motivator, activist, spiritual uplift. Whatever we have now, mostly white corporate abandonment of those ideas. According to the letter, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 is, has much to do with the blame of the state of black radio. Not just in New York, but nationwide. That act lifted the ban on the number of stations a company could own nationwide, allowing a few large companies to control radio landscape. Companies like Clear Channel went from owning 40 stations to as many as 1,200 in just a few years. The letter continues. The letter calls for the FCC to study the disparities in station ownership, noting that African Americans own just 3% of full-power commercial radio stations in the U.S., and criticizes those stations that do exist for profiting off of the suffering of African Americans, including playing music that often denigrates blacks in much <coughs> of the way that Amos and Andy show did. The letter notes that the government policy has played a role in media inequality and placing the public airways in the hands of corporations that prioritize profit over the responsibility of the public. And it notes that such inequities began with the nation's first commercial radio license being distributed for free to almost uh, exclusively to white males. 
This government uh, granted exclusive use of public airways enabled those early licensees to amass wealth and control practically all of the, the nation's media outlets, leaving black people with few broadcast opportunities and virtually no say over how they are depicted in the media, the letter states. Now, <clears throat> this uh, now it, it states clearly, that, and they're, not, they're absolutely right about that Telecommunications Act, and it was done basically after the Million Man March, and they seen where all of those people was brought down to Washington off of black radio. Yep. Now, this article here in Forbes magazine, in May of 18 says everything this, it, the header is entitled everything you need to know about urban radio. It says it's called urban radio, but it's really black radio for those who don't know. It's a story in many ways that is a story often of dramatic changes that swept through American life in the 20th century. Black radio played a key role in the civil rights movement in the sixties, rallying listeners to show up for protests using secret codes to avoid tipping off police. DJs in hotspots like Birmingham, Alabama, alerted protesters to the location and times of marches and warned them where the police would set up roadblocks. In the 70s, over 250 stations aired primarily black artists, up dramatically from 100 just a decade earlier. Led by New York's WBLS, the most listened-to FM station in the country, with a mix of soul artists like Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, to jazz like Grover Washington and Herbie Hancock. Radio is the most popular medium among black listeners. Each week, each week African-American audiences interact with radio more than any other medium. Radio reaches 93% of all black Americans weekly. Currently, blacks own 168 of the 10,315 commercial AM and FM stations in the United States. These stations are concentrated in the southern region of the country and distributed among 30 states. So, uh, currently, up until the date of this particular article, blacks owned 168 of the over 10,000 stations in the country. Mm. And it says that blacks, it says radio is the popular medium among black listeners. Each week, black audiences interact with radio on some type and it reaches 93% of black audiences. So they know that black people still use the radio to get messages out. They used it in 1995. Right. So this was not a Republican uh, uh, ploy. This was a government uh, 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 shot at black people, both Democrats and Republicans, white. And blacks seem to have went along with it because what's the name son was involved in, uh, in, in, in fact, they had him on the forefront. What is it? Colin Powell's son, wasn't it, Richard? Yeah. Right. And, um, uh, Claiborne's daughter, <clears throat> well, I think she was in another area that dealt with the uh, whole thing of of F- FCC, or at least yeah, something to that degree. Something to that degree. Now it said to mention here that I didn't know this that WBLS was the most listened to FM station in the country, and you know what happened that that been sold to I think ESPN Radio or something. They got something else on it. It's not even a black format. Mm. And keep in mind, those ones that they say are urban-themed, half of them ain't owned by blacks. They're whites mm-hmm. that just, you know, put black stuff on there. The stations that are owned by blacks are even less than this. 
You're talking about mm-hmm. 168 uh, uh, stations are, are, are still have the uh, are black orientated. I bet you over that 168, if you look at how many are black owned, it's even less. So right. I, I just said that in relation to them pulling that guy's license. See, all of this stuff is related. <clears throat> Pull the license to that station for something mm-hmm. that the, that those men said was seemed to be minor. And plus it had nothing to do, like the young lady said, if it, if they trying to say that there's something to do and make him sell the station to somebody else black. Mm-hmm. But instead of just take the whole license away because it, then it doesn't serve the state, but it serves their purpose. I just wanted to throw that out in reference to, uh, you know, the conversations we had been, had been having in reference to black radio and what that, uh, that act that uh, was passed during the Clinton administration did to black radio. And he was, and have, yeah, go ahead. Excuse me. No, I'm, I'm no, go ahead. I just, I just want to say, because, you know, the effectiveness of this new um, medium of communication has to be guarded, you know, taking that as an example that, you know, it, it's easy to see and we haven't seen the moment where even this medium of communication, getting getting information out, becomes a threat to somebody, to the opposition. Oh, yes. Oh, so yes. we need to be clear now in our own individual way, and I'm talking to the Time for Waking audience, that if we feel that this is something we need to not just support, but protect, we need to have in mind that we, because black media the radio was taken away and what was the political backlash from black constituents when that event occurred? You know what I mean, Elliot, if that makes any sense? Well, I, I listen, I don't think a lot of people realize that that was happening. I don't think a mm. lot of people realize it, Richard. Mm. Because like I said, they replaced it with these syndicated voices, uh, Steve Harvey and, uh, 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 uh some of the other voice, I don't even know, but they aren't in every city. But I'm glad they wrote this letter because what it states here, you know, we had mentioned it, but I'm glad they put it in their words and I'll read it again. It said, it criticized, it says, uh, noting that African Americans owns just 3%. This was the letter that, uh, that the, a group of black media organizations have wrote to the FCC. It says, noting that African Americans owns just 3% of full power commercial radio stations in the U.S., it criticizes those stations that do exist for profiting off the suffering of African Americans in much of the way that Amos and Andy show did by denigrating blacks. So, <laughs> so when, when we mentioned Richard, all this laughing and joking and everything's a joke and all these satires, uh, we, at least we ain't the only ones that believe that. Right, right. There you go. Let's go to a couple of these calls. <clears throat> Let's get them on. Let's go to 602. 602. Uh, yes, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Good evening. Brother Marcus. Greetings. Yes, sir. You know what they said? They say the same thing that make you laugh will make you cry. Mm. And, um, you see that happening over there in Ukraine with, with that guy, that um, comedian guy, uh, Zelensky. You know, he was a comedian, you know, before he became president. So you had them laughing. 
No, they're not laughing, do they're crying. You see? So, you know, the same thing that makes you laugh will make you cry. Now, uh, I remember that same WBLS station, they had a sister station, because uh, I think it was owned by Percy Sutton. Um, WLIB. And WLIB was on fire in the 90s, in, in the early 90s, 80s, 90s. Um, they took it off the radio. They got them off. I mean, you know, uh, they changed the format. You know, they got Percy to sell his station, and then they turned it to a Christian station. All you hear is music, Christian music. So, what you know, what's happening, you know, is that the reason they are making these moves is is because something is happening. They are realizing that. Yes. They are, you know, power is slipping. Yes. You see, they're realizing, oh, you know, something is taking place. These people not really operating the way we want them to operate. They, they, you know, they're going against the grain and more and more people going against the grain. So all what you see they're doing there is futility, brother. <laughs> it's going to be futility because they can't stop what's coming because they are fighting in their problem in their family. See, the white family is fighting. They, they have problems in, in and that's going to intensify some more. It's going to escalate rapidly with the economic collapse that's taking place here in America. America must respond militarily. <laughs> they must. They cannot they can't back off of this fight. They can't back off because, remember, you know, America is a war economy. America makes money when you have war. And now her economy is in decline. So what do you think she's going to do? She's going to move to a war footing. She must. She ain't got no choice. And that is going to be our salvation. Now what we have to do be aware of too is we don't want Africa to be like Ukraine. You know, the African got to be more sophisticated now. We don't want uh, to be no proxy war fighting down here in Africa because then we are going to suffer. Yes. You see? And they don't mind fighting a proxy war, killing us off because what everybody wants, the Africans' natural resources. You see? They, but we are standing in the way because we are there. So we don't want that in Africa. So the African leaders must be say, look, play the, the, the defense role. <laughs> you know, sit on the fence. Don't be, take no side. Use everybody. Be, you know, we know we're going to be have to be real pragmatic and use everybody. Use the Chinese. Use the Russian. Use the American. Use everybody and look out for our interests first. But I'm telling you. It's gonna escalate more. This this thing here is gonna. And you look, you see, I see this guy, this uh, prince, whatever name, the prince William. I don't know what the hell his name is. He, he went to Poland the other day, and he, the Putin tell him, say, look, you know what? I got a missile. You know, it takes five minutes to reach London. That hypersonic missile, <laughs> you know. And I tell you, I think this war, America going to feel it. 
you're going to get hit right here now. It ain't going to be like World War I or World War Two. We're going to catch it here, too. Because Putin ain't playing. He ain't got... Look, the man dying already. He, he got... What they say? He got medical issues. So you think he cares? Look, I'm dying. I'm going to see who, how many people I can take with me. He just put 10 nuclear um, um, planes over there in Belarus. And everybody running now. Oh, oh, oh go to the UN. You know? <laughs> it's going to escalate. But... It's gonna be our redemption. I tell you. So it it, it all it look dismal. Yes, but the elephant when the elephants fight, it's time for us to regroup, uh, organize, cause we gonna catch it too. But I tell you, you know, last night that thing came through. That tornado came through here, in Memphis. It ain't, it, the people in Memphis, the black people that moved to Memphis, are very smart, you know, because you see, Memphis is on a bluff. So every time that tornado come across the Mississippi River, it hit that bluff and it gotta go up in the atmosphere. But just when it come down, it come down in places like Mississippi and that's flat. See, Mississippi is just flat. And that's why, you know, that tore up a lot of black towns there. People, tore it to, I mean, tore up, brother. It's yeah, terrible. So, yeah, that's it. You know, I did see it. You said it started in Memphis? It came through Memphis. It came through. It came through. Cause, you know, we felt it. You know, the rain and the wind was here. But you see, Memphis is hilly, it's hilly. So it can't really pick up steam, you know, on Memphis because it ain't flat. It needs flat, flat land. And that's why in Mississippi, Mississippi is flat. Mississippi coming like, it's like Texas. It's just flat. As far as you look, it's like the, the sky and the ground come together. And that tornado pick up steam. And when that pick up steam down here, man, I'm telling you, you know, it, 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 you know, but we felt it here. We felt it, but it, it landed a hundred, nearly two hundred miles out. You know, so man, as you say, it, the globe is changing, but the, the forces of nature is working, my brother. Some people say God, Jesus, Jehovah, I don't know what, but something is moving. You know, this, 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 this planet here, this, this, this nature. You know, my friend said he said. One thing is constant on this planet is change and balance. He said all equals change and balance because everything has to change and balance. You know, so we go come out smelling like a rose, but we're gonna have to go through the fire first. <laughs> we are good brothers. Love the program. Keep on keeping on my ears to the ground. Thank you for your contribution, sir. Thank you. All right. Please. <clears throat> Let's go to 505, 505. Uh, yeah, uh, Elliot? Yes. Um, I couldn't understand the gentleman who just finished speaking uh, that clearly, but what I could hear, what I could understand, because he has an accent or something or sort, but I have to agree 150% of everything that came out of that man's mouth. And I want to thank you again for having a good show. Thank you. Well, thank you for your contribution, sir. Yes, sir. Have a good evening. You too. Let's go to 215. 215. 
Good evening, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. How y'all doing tonight? How are you, I'm doing fine. Uh, praise be to Allah. Well, uh, uh, first I want to say happy Ramadan Mubarak to my Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. I just broke my fast about an hour ago with some dates and some water and uh, eat me a little chicken and some potato salad and some little fruit and stuff to break the fast. And I'll be into tomorrow and everything. And... Uh, I, don't, I take it fair. I don't know where to begin. First, uh, before I talk about the, your subject matter, and, and it first, just give me great honor to, to follow Brother Marcus and the brother that just came behind, behind Brother Marcus. Very insightful comments by both brothers and stuff, you know. Ellie, I, I had to, Ellie, I, I, I got to be a little tongue in cheek. Ellie, I saw your boy Jeff Brown on TV a few minutes ago. He had a. Uh, he got Marshall Mitchell, the, you know, the black pastor from Selling Baptist Church in Jenkintown. He got him doing commercials for him now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I, saw I, that I'm one. not surprised. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not surprised either. It's just something. You can't help but laugh. But, uh, yeah, and, of course, uh, you know, you got that old handkerchief here, Charles Barkley. They featured him on 60 Minutes uh, tonight. So I watched that after the game and stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know where to begin. Let me just start with, uh, yeah, uh, with uh, – when you said about, I start with the comment you made to Brother Richard earlier when you said about, uh, you know, they, they look at us the same. Well, if any black person in America or in the diaspora think that these Europeans, whether they're in America or whether they're anywhere in the world, think black people are different. Because you always heard some of our people, they say, well, these Africans, they don't think they're black or what vice versa. Then, you know, we might have some people from the continent and the ignorance that feed into white uh, propaganda may look down on us in some cases, but but if one thing has been crystal clear and stuff, if any if anybody if any black person, whether you're in America or in, in the continent, think that these Europeans look at us differently, all you got to do is look at two recent cases that happened. You, you saw the case down in uh, Virginia, right, Ellen Richard, where the brother got killed by the by the deputies and stuff, Elliot, I think the prison guards and stuff. He's from Africa. And then, of course, the brother that was shot in his head by the devil cop, and I think it was in Michigan, I think it was in Patrick Loya, Elliot, I think his name was, got shot point blank when a cop straddled him and stuff. So yeah, you you had two brothers from the continent over the last uh, year or so that got gunned down by these racist-ass cops or, or, or law enforcement. Of course, you know, Dominic, of course, like, uh, the brother from uh, in, back in 1999 from in New York, uh, the brother got shot by the police up there. Uh, the, you know, you know, about, like, I can think of his name right offhand. You know, mm-hmm. you know, got shot, got shot 99 times. So I mean, we had clear cases of brothers and sisters from the continent coming and getting the bruise. So these Europeans don't look at us no more different. You know, it's, it's, I mean, so we only a fool would even think that. I mean, they look at us all. We black people. You know, we might speak with an accent. We might speak, you know. Uh, for African accent or, or a Caribbean accent, but we still our people, and I and I always stress that to our people not to let these people separate us because they always try to do that and stuff. But when they when they come right down to it, they treat us all the same. When they shot, when that when they murdered that brother at the prison and stuff, who was having some mental breakdowns, they didn't care that he was from Africa. They could care less. He they thought they could say he was a black man. Same when they shot the brother, when that white cop shot the brother in Michigan in the back of his head when he straddled him. He didn't care about him being from, from, from Uganda or, or, or Liberia. I think it was from Liberia. He could care less. You know what I mean? So we got to be, you know, we got to know that by, we should know that by now, you know? But uh, again, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot going on, uh, you know, and like in the weather, when Brother Marcus was saying about the weather, see, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he's been telling our people, he said, Almighty God, Allah, 
or, or Yahoo, Yahweh, or the Most High, whatever you want to call the the, 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 the supreme being, he's going to bring these white folks down. He said, watch, he said, watch the weather. Minister Mississippi, he said, weather, he said, I'm not going to unleash the weather on these devils all over the world. And you see the weather is playing a big part. Now, of course, some of us may going to get killed in that because, you know, the just suffer with the unjust. And so some of us hell bent on being around these devils a lot of times. So, you know, some of us going to get taken out with them. But watch the weather. They're going to use the weather. He's going to use his economics, everything to bring these people down. And as Brother Marcus correctly said, these devils at each other's throats and stuff, man. I mean, all over the world, they had each other's throats. So we see clearly this country's going down and stuff. And, and God going to bring them, gonna bring this white man to his knees. I know some of these handkerchief head Muslims and some of these handkerchief head Christians, porky handkerchief head, handkerchief head porky eating. Christians and some of these Uncle Tom Muslims, they don't think it's going to happen. No, they can talk. They like the minister say, talk all this stuff in the sanctuary and the mass yet. But they think this white man is all powerful and he can't be touched. But God, but God going to bring this white man down right before your very eyes. It's going to happen. Now, now, it may, like I said, like, I may not be here to see it happen. If I hope, I pray to Allah that it, I do. But if I don't, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. It's not going to happen. It may not happen when I expect it to. Because like I said, God does things on his way. He's an on-time guy. He, he he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. He's an on-time guy. But he's going to bring this devil down. He's going to bring him down before the whole world. And America will fall. You know, that's why I'm like, I'm with the book, Fall of America. Because he will fall. And no question, question about that. It's just a matter of when God decides for it to happen. But he will fall. No question about that, you know. And you know how, like you were saying, you and Brother Richard was chatting all about this thing with Kamala Harris. See, again, the propaganda, like you say, you're going to send her over there with this nonsense to push all kind of, you know, alternative lifestyles, whatever, like homosexuality, LB, whatever like that, they're going to push over to, to do that. And, 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 and like you said, they see what happened when they see Russia and China over there, and they want to get their foothold over there because they, they see how they've been steadily pushed out because America's standing. Has, has has been going downhill steadily over the last. It, it started around the, when it, when it, the false false invasion of Iraq has started, and it's standing hasn't been any good since. And not that it was great even before that, but that that was the, the last straw as far as any kind of credibility that this country had when they went over and killed all of these Iraqi men, women, children on a false pretense of a lie and used that handkerchief head coon Colin Powell as the point person and stuff. You know, so again. This country has no credibility, and America will never, and I quote the minister, direct quote from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, America will never, ever win another war. You see, they haven't won one. Everything they get involved in is, is ends disastrously. It's Afghanistan, Iraq, everything ends in disaster for them. They say wicked and, and de- devilish, so they will never win another war. This country is, is going to hell in the handbasket. And all we have to do as a people, like Brother Marcus and the Brother came after them and said, get ourselves together and just wait and, and, and do what we have to do to move our people forward. Because we see clearly this is it's not it for America. This is it for this country. You can't keep doing wrong and don't expect, you know, you, 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 if Rome fell and all these other so-called great civilizations fell because of wickedness and corruption and decadence. What the hell makes America, Brother Ellen Richard, think that they any different? You know what I mean? You can't live unrighteously and expect to be doing it forever. You're going to fall. And once this unrighteous nation of America fall, then the new race, new nation of righteousness comes in and replaces it. And that's what's going to happen. And like I said, as much as the Negroes, these Muslims, phony Muslims and handkerchief Christians don't see it. But it's going to happen. It has to happen. It's the, it's the law of nature. It's, it's got to happen, you know? 
that something has to happen, you know. And and, and at least with the radio station, I closed these last couple of comments on the took up all your time. But the radio station, like you see clearly, Ellie, this is not an accident. What's going on in Tennessee and stuff? They want to keep the Steve Harvey's, like you said, the, the Ricky Smiley, this buffoonery on the radio. So they they're going to use that to try to you know justify taking the brother's station. And like like you said, and the sister said in the clip, what what the hell do his conviction got to do with him? On the radio station, that, that nothing, neither, it has nothing to do with another. You know, it has nothing to do with each other. It's a totally stop. The man paid his due to debt to society. He paid the fine, whatever. So what's the beef now? You know what I mean? But you want to you because you want to turn it to what a, a Christian station where you can play Christian music, or you just want to turn it to a buffoonery station and get a Steve Harvey like clown on there or, or Ricky Smiley. That's what you want to do. Sure, sure, that's what they want to do. And and like brother uh, Marcus said, WLID. Prime example, New York, the station Percy Sutton's song. In the, in the 90s, it was on fire. Cause you had Bob Law, you know, Gary Bird. Now look at the station now. They, 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 they like Marcus to a Christian station, man. They 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 didn't like that powerful mix that Bob Law and Gary Bird was putting forth to the community. And, so, and they don't want that nowhere in America. They want all these, they want the Steve Harveys, like you say, and the and all these people that keep coming with this clownish and buffoonery and jokes and laughing while people are killing each other, these ignorant brothers killing each other and food deserts and all this stuff going on. They want to keep that chaos going on and stuff. They don't want our people being woke up and stuff where they where they, where they can get a, a, they say, time from the waking, as the title of y'all show is. They don't want that time from the waking. They want to keep our people dazed and asleep in a fog so our people can continue to act stupid out here. Food deserts. So many sisters and brothers don't even know what a decent meal is like. They want to keep our people eating that swine and, and bad food and, and nasty Chinese takeout from these nasty uh, corners takeout. They want our people drinking unhealthy water. You saw here in Philadelphia about the water thing, Ellen and Richie. You know what I mean? They want to see our people keep going through this kind of nonsense, man. They don't want nobody on the radio like you and Richard doing or Brother Maurice up in New York doing or, or, or uh, our brother in, in Washington, Carl Nelson. They don't want nobody waking up our people, man. They want to keep our people with the buffoonery going on. And, and, and it's all connected. That's why, you, like you see, these radio stations that they have play this filthy gangster rap that's degrading their women, degrading their, they're you know, calling each other the N-word, the sisters, the H's and the B's. I mean, all this stuff is not no accidental, L.A. and Richie, you know what I mean? No accident. All this stuff is done by design to further destroy the black man and black woman. And we have, and we have got to be wise enough to see through it because it is what it is. We know what's going on. And lastly, L.A., to show you how wicked these devils is, L.A. and Richie, as you know, Trump just recently got his uh, privileges back on Twitter, I think, right? Twitter, uh, Facebook, they, all, they gave Trump his because he was banned after the January 6th insurrection. Now, here the Honorable Miss Lewis Farrakhan has never got on the radio or, or any social media uh, outlets and called for the violence against anyone, whites, Jews, whatever, they, they both the same, whites, Jews, or whatever, and yet Mr. Farrakhan is, is not allowed. He, he, he's been... Ban, he haven't given him his, his Twitter or Facebook privileges back, but you allow Trump a man, um, on there, a man that's advocating violence every chance you get. As you know, Ellie, that DA up there in, in, in uh, New York bragged. You know, I don't know if you heard, Ellie, but he's been getting death threats. Did y'all hear about that? And all because of Trump and his cohorts, his cohorts, but yet he's allowed to be back on social media. But the minister who's trying to upwake a dead people and stuff, he's he's banned. And not only is he banned on media, you know, I don't know if y'all heard, and I close with this, Ellen Richie, you know, the, the minister can't even go to, to, to Israel and stuff. You know, in Jerusalem, you got the Al-Asqua Al Mosque, which is very 
sacred not only to, to Christians and Jews, but it's sacred to Muslims. The minister was trying to go over there a few years ago, and they told the minister, you're not allowed over here in, in, in Israel. You know what I mean? And yet Trump can go over there, and all these other devils can go over there, but the minister who, who was trying to do right by his people, he's banned. I mean, it's just show you how out of touch and how backwards the society and this wickedness, white supremacy is that you ban a man that's trying to uplift his, his fallen people, but you let people like Trump and, and all these other racist bigots come travel all over America, have access to social media, advocating violence, that's okay, but when you try to uplift a dead and fallen people, you know, you're a hater, you're anti-Semite. I mean, if our people can't see this by now, brother, something, we, man, we, we, we keep on with this mindset of we going to hell, we going to go right to hell with some of these, with these devils if we don't wake the hell up, man, because these Clearly, man, that, 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 that these people are out of touch. They they wicked. They 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 devilistic and mean spirit and, and not only immoral but they amoral, which means they lack morals. So we gonna step away from that kind of uh, decadent people. We gonna get just what we gonna get with them. And hopefully, more of us smarter than that. We won't go down that road because we got too many wise and wise brothers and sisters that are out here trying to do the right thing. So hopefully the vast majority of people won't go down that path. Thank God. Well, thanks, Ellie, for your time. I, and I ended right there, brother. And I, they put me on mute, Ellie, and I listened to the remainder of the show. Yeah, well, before you go, uh, I guess next week they'll be talking about uh, more about Trump on the on some of these black stages, especially the one here in the city. Mm-hmm. They seem to love talking about him. Like they obsessed with him, I know. I mean, like, 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 whether he gets convicted or indicted, what the hell that gonna mean for black people? Yeah, look, LA, I, look, look, you know, I mean, you live, me, you and brother Richard live in a world where I love our people, man, but we not oblivious to what's going on. When you see five or six teenagers out there shooting up and down the damn city block like they ain't got good sense. Instead of our black leadership and our black media focusing on that, trying to correct that problem, trying to see why these brothers and sisters out here doing this crazy, you know what ass. Stuff, excuse my language. It's them focus on stuff like that. You worry about whether Trump getting indicted or, or because he paid off a porn star, and if he used campaign funds, which is illegal. I mean, what the hell that got to do with the, our community? Whether Trump goes to jail, don't go to jail, gets indicted. I mean, our people here catching the hell, y'all, and all y'all keep obsessed with that fool. I mean, come on, man. You know, it's just insane. And now let me say this: like, this my last point. Sherelle Parker, one of the male candidates, her and all the ones on city council, they doing all this. Said big talk, like I said, Sherelle. When I went to the the, the mayor forum at the uh, Mass General Law, that the, 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 the Mass General was desecrated a, a month or two ago, she bragging and tooting her own horn about all this stuff that she has did for the black community and, uh, and what she going doing. Like saying, where is it at? Where the proof is in the pudding? No, don't don't. Don't don't tell me what you have brag about all the stuff that you have done. Show me what you have done. All that number rhetoric and talk. But here's the thing, Ellen. Now. You heard, you know in this city with the tax thing how unfair it is. On like I said on NPR this morning, National Public Radio, the, the white boy said straight up. He said, look, he said in Philadelphia, and he said he said it's a shame. He said because in Philadelphia, he said the tax burden. This is his exact words, brother Elliot and brother Richard. He said he said he said the tax burden in Philadelphia is unfairly burden is unfairly taken on by poor working class people or, or the working poor. You know, he mainly talking about blacks and Latinos for the most part. He said they, they take the brunt of this tax burden. He says by rich people, the developers, and there are these other rich people, whatever, they pay hardly any tax. He said, they, he said this is why people of color stay so much in poverty because their heavy tax burden they have had to bear for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, if I do my math, Brother Elliot, and I don't think I'm the 
greatest math, mathematician, but I can at least got some common sense. If I'm wrong, correct me. Sherelle Parker, Dow Clark, well, let me pick him up. He's, we know he's a Negro, but I'm from the ones that's running for mayor. Dow, uh, Sherelle Parker, uh, Helen Gilm, uh, uh, Alan Dumb, Derek Green, all these, uh, Maria Quayoni Sanchez, all of them have been mayor, have been city council people for the last five and some years longer. So they've been there when this tax burden was was was, was, put, was putting a hurting on, on people of color, mainly black people, keeping them in abject poverty. So all of a sudden, they got all these grandiose ideas now what they're going to do now. But where the hell was like the white boy said this morning? Where the hell was they at when this tax burden when these poor black folks and, and Latinos been, been dealing with this tax burden, keeping them in abject poverty? Now all of a sudden, they all got these ideas now they're going to do so much now so we got to like you said we got to be smarter than that not to go for the, to the okie though they got all these ideas now but when they had a chance to address this tax burden and other issues that keep people poor and destitute they didn't do a damn thing while they've been on city council all these years but now all of a sudden they they going to run for mayor they got all these ideas now man get out of here with that stuff man you know it's just it's just almost like it's insulting to you man it's, it's very insulting for them to even come with that nonsense man you know but that's all I'll say that and I'll go, Alex. Like I said, I, I, I'll say it enough, and I'll just get off and listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, well, let, let me say this before you leave. Yeah, go ahead, but Alex. Um, sure. You know, they, they always want to, especially some of these white investigative reporters, they always want to throw some stuff out there about the, the tax burden is unfair. They know what's going on. But the, the sure. thing is this. Blackston lived all over Philadelphia and been living here for almost as long as whites. Mm-hmm. Richard Allen was here in the 1700s. Right, that's I mean, correct. Richard will attest to that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Latino neighborhood is not being gentrified. Latinos is always in a certain area of Philadelphia, Six and Cayuga, and all those areas that's down true. there was Latino. Those areas mm-hmm. is not being gentrified. All of those areas where blacks lived all over this city: North Philly, West Philly, uh, 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 South Philly, areas mm-hmm. of Germantown, all those at Nice Town. All the areas where blacks live is being gentrified. Rapidly, it's true. That is true. And and w- the whites that's moving in got a ten year tax abatement, and that w- that was put in by the council. They they know that it was going to hurt their communities. Exactly. They, that's my point, Elliot. That's put, my point they exactly. Put in those ten year. Those whites don't pay tax for ten years. Exactly. Exactly. And yet all these Negroes are supposed to be supposed to say, I don't even I say, I say I don't dumb. I don't, you know, I expect them doubles like him and all the rest of them. But when you got these black people like Sherelle Parker and Derek Green talking all that smack when they was part of that city council that helps to help put that in there. That's what's so egregious, Elliot. See, you know, I mean, Maria Sanchez to a certain degree, too, because she, cause she got a community that's not suffering as much as ours, but they still, you know, catching a little hell here and there. But but but, but those two black ones that's on D.C. Council, I, like I said, I put Helen Gilm and Maria Sanchez to the side, but for Derek Green and, and Sherelle Parker to be talking all this big bully talk about what they're going to do when they sat right there, like you said, Brother Elliot, that's no opinion, that's factual. They sat right there and supported that attacks abatement know what it was going to do to their communities, yet they did it anyway. And now we're supposed to be dumb enough to believe all of a sudden they got a conscience, they're going to they run it for men now to do all these great things for the black community. I mean, give me a break, man. I mean, you know, again, these people, like you say, they, they treat black people like they stupid, man. Like we're supposed to be, they, we go, we're going to fall for, for their nonsense. They, they're going to do such great things for the black community when they had all them years in the city council to do these things. They didn't do a damn thing along that, that sorry black president of city Council Dale Clark and all this damage. He, Elliot, and I, just to know, I say this, and I'm going, Elliot, 
you can don't take my word. You can go right down North Philadelphia with his district that he represented as city council, as a city councilman, and as the president. You wait, you be hard pressed, Elliot, to, to find one black man or woman that say something nice about. It. They can't stand him down there. When, when, sister, when you heard that clip by Sister Paula Peoples, when she says, "Dow Clark, you've been a scourge of the black community down there," she is not lying. Black people down there hate him. They can't stand him. Now you might find a few here and there, but for the most, they can't stand that guy, man. They know what he has did. All those years, he didn't do a damn thing to address the, the poor housing, the schools, the, the food deserts down there. He didn't do a damn thing but collect the paycheck. I mean, and, and this is what we have representing us there. And, he, and he's, people like him, Sherelle Parker, Derek Green, and you wonder why people continue staying in this condition that we stay in now. Because I keep saying it, Ellen Richard, as long as we as black people keep voting for these individuals on the city, state, and federal level, it could be 10 years from now, it could be 20 years from now, 30 years from now. I may not be in in 40 more years. I hope I do, but I may not be. You know, I, I can't, I don't control my, my fate, my life span. But I can say this, as long as we keep voting for these people, whether I'm here or not, we're going to be in the same condition, that's for sure. And again, you keep the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. And that's, and that's just it's common sense, man. It's common sense. So you keep voting for these same individuals, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting, which is nothing but heartbreak. Thanks, Brother Elliot. Thanks for your contribution. Yeah, and if I put me on mute, I'll listen to the rest of the show. Right. Thank you, sir. Let's go to 646-646. Hey, what's happening, um, Richard and Elliot, man? Long time no speak to. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, man, you know, you were talking earlier about the U.S. and their shenanigans going on over in Africa, man. You know... It's at the point now to where as most of the continent is really not paying America no more. So that's why they got this clown Harris over there now and in, in, in some of the others, you know, trying to, um, you know, do their thing. Now, I was quite proud of the Ugandan people who made that statement about they don't want that homosexuality, transgender, and all that madness in their country. And they're not going to support it, and they're not going to allow America to bully them into being a part of that madness, you know? Um, I just find it amazing how we live in a country like this whose there's a war going on in regards to abortion. And you got a population of the country that's basically setting the standard for the direction of the country going in regards to reproduction rights. And the thing they never talk about is that the reason for this is the fact that white women are not reproducing on the level that they should be. Because the reality is that white women don't want to be mothers no more. Or they don't want to have as many kids as this devil deems for them to have. But there's a flip side to this that nobody never looks into. Homosexuality is anti-birth. Because as a homosexual, and when you practice that behavior... You can't reproduce. Do you see the contradiction in play? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. But nobody ever deals with it from that level or that perspective. Me, myself, if you want to be gay or whatever, that's your right. But let's put it in honest context when you have nations that are supposed to be sovereign, like Uganda, that don't want that part of their culture. How could you demand that someone else has to take part in in a cultural behavior that is not productive to the growth of their society? You know, nobody nobody talks about that. And when you do talk about that, they want to call you homophobic. They want to, you know, say that you hateful, say that you all of those things. But the reality is these countries have a right for their own cultural expression. Now, when they start talking about murdering and killing homosexuals and all of that, hey, that that to me goes a little too far. But as regards to restricting their behavior within society culturally, I stand 100% behind it. And I ain't never going to change that position because homosexuality does not lead to reproduction, which in essence is supposed to be one of the tenets of humanity. And nobody deals with that. Nobody wants to discuss it. And the white man knows it. He knows it. But I also am glad to see that African nations are standing up and looking at Russia and China as possibilities of doing some things. And this is why America is in upflux because they're losing their position in the in the world. Because nobody's gonna allow them to continuously have themselves bullied the way that the Americans practice their politics. And you know, people are standing up to them. And they're gonna stand up to them. Because the really the only thing that America has to offer to these countries is death. They have they have nothing else to offer them. They're not they're not helping develop countries and take countries into a better economic position or anything like that. Because the economic position in this country is absolutely horrible, if the truth be told. So when you look at African countries dealing with Russia and dealing with China that's because they're looking at things on a whole different level. So, you know, it's 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 a beautiful thing to witness because the bottom line is ain't nobody punking out to America, man, no more. People are standing up for their sovereignty and their right to have their own cultural expressions. You know what I mean? And America is just a clown show. I mean, look at look at what's going on. Um, with, with with this whole thing, with what they're doing in Florida. And, and to me, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I'm disappointed, extremely disappointed in the black so-called elite, the fraternities, sororities, and all of that, because 
if you're supposed to be so gangster, so big and bad, so elite and all that, why y'all ain't doing nothing about Florida and crushing DeSantis? Why y'all Negroes ain't standing up and making them feel the fire? Or doing anything to make the people of Florida know that we ain't going along with this. You know what I mean? Where's, where's your so-called protest? Why is it you haven't called on all divine nine members, all sororities, all fraternities, and their family to shut down Florida? You ever notice how so-called black leadership never talk about boycotting anything? All the hell they ever talk about is marching. They never talking about identifying a, a, a corporation or something and shutting them down. You ever notice that? Well, I mean, I mean, you know the deal. Some of these people have taken money from yeah. these corporations, so they, they're not going to say that. And and some of the ones, if you're talking about a state that's talking about cracking down on whether it's uh, blacks learning uh, certain subjects or whatever, then they might be in danger of violating their, their oath as a congressman or as a representative or as a council person if they advocate for their people to buck a, a government, a, whether it's a state or local government. They might be in jeopardy of losing their seat. So they might they, you might not hear them encourage black people to do any type of boycott. Hey. Hey, hey, Elliot, you know, in all honesty, man, if we're going to be truthful and call a spade the spade, black leadership really don't do nothing for black people. I mean, you ain't got no argument for me there. I I, I mean, the reality is they covering their behinds and trying to pad their pensions and, you know, do their thing. i never forget, man. Gregory Meeks and what he did in regards to African nations that don't want to support homosexuality and all in the war and all of that foolishness, how he wants to put forward legislation to, um, you know, punish them. Yeah, to hurt and them. Put sanctions in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, how, and, 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 and nobody takes him to task. Nobody, you know, Put that fire on them and put that heat. I mean, I called his office and I went off. But I know not too many other people did it. So he could go along and do it. I mean, the nonsense that Jeffrey's support and all of this. I mean, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like sick of it, really, man. I'm I, I, I just like, whatever, just like this whole thing that you were talking about with the, the guy in the radio station in regards to, um, you know, that Jane Brown once owned and, you know, what they trying to do to him and all that. I mean, what's up with the so-called representation in that, um, in that state standing up and assisting them or helping them? Why are they going to allow them to even take away one of the few things that black people have ownership of that can make a semi-difference, that's going to cater to your nonsense anyway. You know you're a strong supporter of the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party is, I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know what's going on with us as a people, man. I'm at the point now where I think we're going backwards, man. 
You know, you were just talking about gentrification in Philadelphia and all of that and how it's not affecting other communities, but it's decimating black communities. And I always ask the question, well, where are they going? Where, where are black people going? I mean, look at what they're doing in Mississippi. Look at what they're doing all over the country. And it seems to me that black people ain't standing up. All they're doing is talking about we got to go out there and vote. Because if we vote, then we may get some help. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, how do you allow a country to be terrorized by a devil, a devil like Trump? I, I mean, I really, I really want to understand how they allow this man to get away with what he's getting away with in the harm that he's supposedly doing to this nation. But nobody is saying it's because white people ain't got no issue with it and black people ain't got no position to do anything to stop it. So it just goes on and on, and the media talks about it, and what to do, get ratings so that they can get money. <laughs> and, 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 and this demon is at the point to where, what, what do we want to introduce? A race a race riot in this country to where black people ain't even in no position to survive? So what you going to do? You going to get rid of all of the blacks, and a few Mexicans or a few other nationalities, and then after you do your harm, you're going to have those that are left over still serve you. Because that's what the, re- that's what the reality is. But yeah, hey, man, well. it is what it is. But listen, man, put me on hold, man, and listen, it's good talking to you, man, and, you know, hopefully we'll figure it out, bro. Talk to Take you. Take care. Peace. I uh, got one more. Let's go to 404. 404? 404, are you there? Going once, going twice. Richard? Yes, yes. Look like we come to end another program, man. Um, we were supposed to have a special guest uh, uh, this week, and hopefully, um, wait a minute, we, let's take one more. Let's go to 212. 212? Hey, what's going on? This is Brother Maurice. How y'all doing? Hey, sir. What's going on? Nothing much. I just wanted to touch base on some stuff, and I quickly wanted to um, shout out uh, Brother Professor, excuse me, Ezra Arrowhorn uh, for the Center for Global Africa. The next time we have a conversation about what's going on in Africa, let's get a brother on here, which you know well, who's doing work on the continent. They can talk about the issues, who's... who talks to the leaders over there and has a has a, a, a deeper understanding of what's going on in Africa? Yeah, you know what? Um, I, ain't, I ain't talked about that in a while, but that that's a good suggestion. Richard always mentioned yeah, about to, uh, we reaching back out to him. So yeah, I got to because you know I text him every once in a while and sometimes he emails me. But you you're right. I got to get him back on here. Yeah, he he was. I t- I talked to him and he had just been over in Africa uh, in February and he came back. And stuff, and I touch base with him from time to time to have conversations about things. So I want to get clarification. But you know, I, I want to say a couple of a couple of things. And um, again, we had a lot of brothers brothers that was on the line tonight that 
We're really um, breaking some information down, but let's not get let's not get caught up in the smoke screen that's going on with President Trump, because that's a smoke screen. That sexual thing that they're talking about is a smoke screen, and we're not really looking at what's really going on in America. You need to be focused on this economic situation that is happening. I've been talking about this for the longest time, and people are not listening. Black people need to get to a philosophy of the difference between what is wants and needs. I need to eat. I need heat. I need a clothes on my back. Other than that, you should be getting yourself out of debt. You should be saving your money. You should make sure you have money in your house and stuff, um, not just sitting up in a bank. You know, that, that bank situation that happened should say a lot to black people. And I, what, why, why do I say that? Because that particular bank was a bank that rich people had their money in and connected to the economy, but when they your bank in your community, those saving and loans bank in your community that were vibrant for your community, which you could go and get loans from, and you could go and get business loans or mortgages and things of that nature, those banks they allowed to collapse and be taken over and they disappear from your community. So we see politically, economically, socially who gets the, who's the, who's at the top of the feeding chain. Secondly, I think we're missing a lot of stuff going on with Africa. You know what the you know you, we're talking about like because you know I've been talking about this for a while and stuff and I'm not saying that you and Brother Richard are wrong because you're not because you're, you're echoing some things that we've been talking about in terms of the the players on the continent but let let but let's get back to what is the real issue people have to look at technology technology is the next mover a shaker in this in this world you see how fast artificial intelligence is going. They got artificial intelligence now hiring people online, interviewing people and stuff and telling people, you know, um, how to do their job. And people, <laughs> they actually did a, a guy did an interview with a machine. And then when he recognized that the machine was telling him something and he said, this sounds like, this doesn't sound like a person. The machine lied and said to him, no, I'm, I'm not a machine. I'm a, I'm a person that's visually impaired. And this is the reason why. Um, I, I respond the way I'm responding to you. But in Africa, that's more important because guess what's happening? What it, you, you talked about something. You, you almost got there. You talked about 2030, 2035, what's happening. That's a global initiative to get rid of coal burning, uh, coal, burning coal in, 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 in this whole clean air thing. Why is that important for, for Africa? Because most of those African economies are burning coal. One of the sisters did an excellent interview when she talked about the, what's going to happen to African economies because that's one of the things that they have control of. But they have, uh, South Africa is burning coal. Guess what? United States is down there trying to sell the technology to get them out of burning coal, and they're trying to uh, and they're trying to get you know um, they haven't done it yet where they're trying to push them. But with the UN and stuff, they're going to push them toward that. Nobody is talking about that. The sister broke it down. I wish I could find the video. I can't find it. Synergy. She broke it down. And she said that it's easy for these people to talk about you know, clean air and all this other stuff like that. But what about the people, the, the average everyday person that's using cold to keep themselves warm in their house? Hmm. What about those, those individuals and stuff that have small businesses that are using cold to run their businesses? What happens? To, and who, who controls the technology, Right. Because now we ain't using coal to burn, something that's basic. You can dig up out of the ground and you can control it. Somebody else is controlling that. 
what technology is going to be coming into Africa to replace coal by 2035? And I'm, I'm telling people, you got to be watching them in the game that they're playing. One of the things that they're doing is they're pushing this new technology. I haven't got it all down yet because I've been researching it. Another thing I want to mention real quick, because um, you had you had you had hit on it in terms of music, the, the the Bureau of Education and Cultural Affairs underneath the State Department. I had a, a, a segment of my program. One of my brothers at the University of Maryland interviewed um, one of the brothers from Poor Righteous Teachers, and he was talking about how they were using music in Africa to try to inundate and, and change America's uh, uh, image there mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. So, and that's still going on. Is they allocate, I think they allocated some $70 million toward that not too long ago. <laughs> so when, so the, the, the key, I'm sorry, brother, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I was laughing at what you was just saying. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the thing for me is, we have to be watching this technology. I told y'all last year that these companies were talking about they were going to be laying people off. Now you just see there's another group of layoffs that's going on from Walmart, 4,000 people. From uh, Google, another 5,000 people. Amazon, yeah, another 4,000 yes. people. I saw Amazon was laying off like 4,000 people. Yeah, there's more people being laid off. These companies, again, and, and, this, and, and, the, and the issue has been we, we, we missed it. We had somebody actually telling us the truth, and we missed it. Uh, Andrew Andrew um, Lang, when he ran for president, he said artificial intelligence is going to require for people to have what they call a basic income. That is going to have to be paid to them because you're not going to be needed in the in this economy because they're not going to need you to work. They're doing with artificial intelligence exactly what we thought. I watched this documentary, which they just blew my mind, where – I, they had all of these people from around the world that came together to talk about some technology that they were using in terms of dealing with your, the, the, with the, the, um, the basics of your DNA and your RNA and stuff. And they said they were going crazy because the Chinese did something in, it, it, at this event that they had said that nobody was supposed to be doing. I, I can't remember exactly what it was because they didn't say what it was. But people were going crazy talking about the Chinese did something with DNA that went too damn far. He created a see, he, he created. He oh, took, I'm sorry. He put the DNA together and, and actually not cloned a human being, but developed a human being before from the DNA mixture. Mm-hmm. And it was, and yeah. it was supposed to be, it was, it's, they considered it unethical, but it was never done before. And he was able to do it. Thank you, brother Richard. <laughs> and so, that is so. If they'll do that to develop human beings, they damn sure are already doing it with technology. They're doing stuff. Elon Musk said it years ago. Elon Musk was one of the few people that started with this artificial intelligence. He created an organization that brought all the brightest minds together. And then he said it five years ago. He he stopped being involved because he said they went too far. And now he said, it, and then they asked him the question. He said it's too late to go back. So again, I mean, I'm, 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 if anybody is listening to think I have any type of common sense, and you should, you should, you need to be looking at taking care of the basic things and not be out here spending money on stuff that doesn't matter. Get your money up. 
Make sure you get pull money out of the bank and keep it in your house like your mom and your daddy did and stuff back in the day. Have some cash or whatever. Else. Store up your medication and stuff like that. Get yourself ready because you don't know what's coming. These people are out here and they're planning. They do not care anything about you. And then the other thing that I wanted to tell you, I don't know if people are paying attention, right? I'm in New York. Black people are leaving New York. Black people are leaving. They're selling out and they're leaving New York in droves. No one is talking about it. There was a couple of articles where people were talking about why all these people going back down south. And New York is supposed to be a progressive state. And I've, t- I've said it plenty of times before. I walk around this city and I wonder, I was like, I don't even recognize it. <laughs> I don't even recognize it anymore. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's, I'm, I'm looking at, yeah. I, I mean, I'm talking about areas that were traditionally where we were at. I don't even recognize it. Yeah, I, I know how you feel. <laughs> and it's people that look like me and you that help to do it. You know, I was I was watching this thing um, on PBS today where there was a battle going on uh, about this Confederate monument and they, that they had in this area, which was frequently by a lot of black people, and, and it's flagged. And this this young brother was out there fighting uh, to get the monument moved out. And it was interesting because this this I have to give black people credit. It was a store that it was on the store's property. And this dude was doing good business and stuff with the black community. The black community was like, we ain't coming to that store no more until that flag and that monument is removed. The white community said, well, if you remove that flag and that monument, um, you know, we ain't dealing with you either. They went to, now this is in South Carolina, black people, black officials were down there. And the dude said, yo, white supremacy is so entrenched, not only within the government, but within the mind of black people, that you have black officials that refuse to stand up on something that should be an out-of-the-ballpark issue. They They wouldn't even touch it. So and I found it absolutely amazing to me that they wouldn't even on something that, that was so simple. But I, I but I have to give black people credit. The, the, the white business owners said black people refuse to come in. See, there are still black people that are still out here that are conscious. Oh yeah. To understand that. I, I want people to understand that. Don't think everybody has drunk the Kool Aid. They're not. California is getting it done. So again, we talk about how progressive New York is. New York has still not even passed the reparation bill. You know, they're running around and talking about, you know how many, you know that you know in New York, there were, there were riots where they killed black people going back to the 1800s and coming forward. The 1700s also. There should be reparations in New York. The city council ain't said nothing about no reparations here. The state ain't even moved on it. And guess what? We got black people running the, the, the city in terms of the city council and the pre, and the and the mayor, and you got black people in charge of the senate of the of the legislature and the house, and no reparations has moved forward. California, there's only six percent black people out there, and they're getting stuff done. You see what I'm saying to you? <laughs> this is this is about people having the consciousness to understand the the, the signs of the time. And and um, Minister Farrakhan is 100% right when he's talking about you need to be watching what's going on. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I'm watching these people. I'm, I'm, you know, because guess what? Again, like, um, when Martha Stewart, remember what Martha Stewart went to jail for? Was it was inside of training because she had a. But the same thing happened with this bank out there in San, out there in, um, in Silicon Valley. People got tipped off and pulled their money out. That's how the run got started. <laughs> how many of them going to jail? Why did Biden them step in so quick? Because venture capitalists ain't gonna lose their money. It's gonna be me and you to lose their money. And, and I'm and I'm I'm frustrated. Now this is the, this is the last thing I'm gonna say because I, again I want people to get this right. You just said some stuff is going into what I'm gonna be talking about on my show next week. Uh, we're talking about what Trump again smokescreen everybody. Don't get caught up in Trump because they ain't, that's not what's going on here. Let's talk about something very simple. Something that happened twenty something years ago that the anniversary came up in the Iraq War. We had, well you, and you've had her on the show, Cynthia McKinney said it from day one that it was nonsense. She said it from day one. They redistricted her, they, 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 they gerrymandered her out and got rid of her stuff. She talked about the Patriot Act and all that other stuff like that. They, they, had, they hurried up and got her the hell out. All these people that died, all these Americans talking about people, the, the, uh, how precious life is. With all these media people was 100% behind the war. It didn't matter if you was Republican or Democrat or CNBC or Fox. Every one of them beat the drum. Where's the apology on that? And then you just had a case where Fox just told you that they misinformed the public on purpose because it drove their profits. <laughs> Nobody's talking about pulling their license. <laughs> and he ain't even a, he ain't no he ain't even no American. Rupert Murdoch is British. He's not even an American. Then you got the clowns down there in Sinclair Media. And let me tell you something else. Let me I'm gonna say this 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 is my last thing. Listen to me. It's good to listen to black radio, but guess what? You need to be listening to white radio also. Cause I listen to what they say. I listen to the talking points, and I listen to what their mindset is because I want to understand what they're doing. They run their mouth and tell you enough stuff. They tell you stuff that's coming. You know, and and isn't it funny, right? The the, the DA before um, Bragg in New York, um, he didn't mess with this case. Interesting, right? The The case down there, the most serious case down there in Georgia, Who's leading it? A black woman. Everybody, most of these cases that are being brought, there's another case or whatever, there's another black prosecutor is leading it. I said, isn't that interesting? Everybody that's bringing these cases at the forefront is black. And they ain't got no problem threatening any of these people, and ain't nothing happening to any of these individuals. Let's not get caught up in Trump. Trump is, if you think Trump is going to jail, y'all are out of your mind. Y'all are out of your mind, and then and then you you see what's going on. After the, I'm sorry, you, has anybody been watching what's going on in Israel? You see what's going on in Israel with the riots was out there, where people are protesting and stuff because Netanyahu is taking over, is is trying to uh, the defense minister just resigned, and he is a battle about the the the, the, the their Supreme Court and who gets to decide um, how judges get appointed and stuff and how the government is going to run. It's very interesting. I watched that. I'm watching that. 
And yeah. I, I think again, um, the last thing is that I'm, I'm I, and Richard. I don't know if you you've been looking at this. I'm watching this new variant that's coming out of India for COVID. I'm I'm still walking around with a mask on my face. I'm looking at people, especially in the black community. And I'm wondering how crazy we are. There's still people dying. Five hundred people a day are dying and stuff. And then I had I, I'm going to say this on the air, and people going to get mad about this. I had one of my friends who happened to be white. He had a heart attack. In shape, dude. Knew him for a long time. And then I was talking to him, and this is what he said to me. And again, this is his opinion. I'm not giving any medical opinion about anything but this and that. He said, his doctor said to him, we're tracking a lot of this stuff. Because a lot of these older brothers, like his, he's, I think he's in his 50s, he said, we've been looking at a lot of these older people having heart attacks and stuff after taking these, these injections and stuff. This is what he said. Again, disclaimer, I'm not saying I'm not pro anything or answer anything. He said, his doctor said, we're quietly looking at this because we can't say anything big about it because, you know, there's an issue. He, he, we spoke on the phone and he told the need to tell me this. And I think, honestly, when I start looking at this, because the people don't care, because there's also ageism going on here. That generation that you talked about that had that moral compass or whatever, that stood against a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, they're being wiped out. COVID is killing every, anybody over 60, 65 is wiping that generation out. And nobody is paying attention. No one is paying attention. But I am. I'm watching. And I'm listening. And you need to be too. And I'm I'm done there, brothers. I'm sorry. I you know I'm. And don't forget, you know, check in on Professor Ezra Arahorn, the <laughs> Center for Global Africa. You brothers and sisters, you want to know what's going on in Africa? He's been going back and forth to the continent for years, even before he um he started this initiative and stuff. He holds yearly conferences where he brings African people here, African nations here, representatives here to have conversations and stuff. And he was at that event um, with Gregory Meeks and them that had they, they had in Washington D.C. when they brought all those capitalists. See, that's the la- that's the last thing I gotta, I gotta remember because you, again, watching this thing with TikTok, right? You notice they got when they had their press conference and, and supported TikTok. You had all of those black people out front talking about TikTok and all this and all that. And every one of them was a capitalist. And not a damn one of them was there that was talking about I'm using TikTok to move black people forward or to to uh, as a, a place to for communication. All they wanted to talk about it, it was the opportunity to make a buck. And that's why there's a problem because our politics has got mixed up. We, we become what Nixon talked about, black capitalists. We become what these other people are talking about. We call this intersectionality and this feminism crap. This and all this other stuff with this gay and lesbian stuff has overtaken the black politic in America, and that is the problem. We worrying about your sex. You worrying about all this other stuff like uh, you worrying about you know your gender when you ain't worrying about your blackness. You're not worrying about what they're doing to your people. We never put all of that stuff before being black in America. And you got these ignorant people that is allowing it to happen. 
I'm never, like I told somebody, I'm never going to apologize for loving black people. And like Franklin Douglas said, I'll go to my grave fighting for them. But I'm not going to fight for a agenda that's been compromised by ignorant people. That is not what the people went to the grave for. The ancestors didn't die for the nonsense that these people are talking about today. This compromised intelligentsia that's trying to be black politicians right now. Maurice, thank you. Thank you always for your contribution, man. Okay, no brothers, peace. We'll talk soon. Bridget. Yes, yes. <clears throat> a lot of good points raised by the, the callers tonight. Yeah, yeah. A lot of information too. You know, I didn't know that thing that uh, that the Maurice had mentioned. But you were familiar with it. I didn't I didn't I didn't that got by me. Oh yeah, that was a big that was a big thing. That was a couple couple of years, couple of years ago. I forget whether they locked, I was just reading it again about it, but I forget whether they um because you know, I know the scientific community made a big thing in relationship to that. But and he and he was Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was able to you know um, do it at the genetic level to grow, and, and I think it was a female that he was able to um, incubate and grow, um, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's you know that you know that goes down a whole another rabbit hole, um, but it ties to the discussion about um, this whole thing of <clears throat> when um, one of the callers made the reference about um, you know or in a, or a reproduction, where we're now because of the technology we're now at the level at the say and it, that we're at the stage of technology where reproduction doesn't have to be done as it was um, um, done by the biological um, way. Um, you can do it almost, I mean, not only, you know I mean, with um, genetic, what they call it, um, um, I forget what they call it when you're not genetic engineering, that's one thing, but um, now you can, you know, basically almost determine what type of child you want but now the technology is moving to where you can cultivate or, or the, you know, actually determine the type of child um, from the fetus level. So you don't necessarily have to have procreation doesn't have to be done sexually. It's the point I'm trying to make. And, and therefore, where is that technology housed at um, primarily? Um, besides the moral question, the ability to do it. And when you're talking about, uh, a population that you're trying to hear, which is a natural market, right? Because the people um, decide that that's because of their gender preference that they still want to have a child and they still want to have, they don't want to have a child, quote unquote, the old fashioned way. Um, you can pay. Now, what happens when you have a young population that is growing up a young market and you introduce this? And not because you haven't introduced other things on the continent. You have introduced Islam, you introduced Christianity, you introduce, you know, the whole thing of, you know, um, being, you know, self-centered in your economic enterprise. So you introduce this cultural approach. 
who do they have to go to to get that technology, you know, when you still want to continue your population trajectory? So, you know, the technology is there, you know, um, is the only point I'm saying. And this goes to what I originally said when we were talking about the environment and the question of whether these accidents, these incidents, tornadoes, earthquakes, you know, are they acts of, you know, the natural um, consequence of the environment, as the brother said, another caller said, to maintain where balance has to be maintained, or are they acts based off of the level of technology disrupting the environmental environment, the environmental operation of balance. So if you have the technology that, so where you're, you're creating say fusion energy underground, I mean, that's a lot of heat that you're creating besides the amount of um, computer energy that you need in order to be able to make those things go, or you're doing atom smashes or you're creating subatomic 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 um, missiles eventually that has to be tested um, and you shoot them through the air what what level does that have that 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 interaction of this uh, event that is not natural what effect does that have on the natural consequences of the environment um, besides the you know utilizing of coal or or fossil fuel, you know, and, and creating code coded in the uh, a- atmosphere. So all these things are quote unquote man-made and man is trying to create a mechanism of through technology to keep it balanced in a homostasis where before it was done by nature. And it's the same thing on the human population. What happens when um, you have a large population that said, well, we don't want to have a child by, um, the, the way it was done the old way we want to have, cause it's available and we have the funds, the resources in order to, um, do that. What happens, um, when that happens? Um, and we seen that earlier when they were talking about, I forget now when they did that, uh, in, in vitro, how many of those children that were in vitro and simulated, they're now middle age, I believe when, from that first intervention of technology in the um, process of, 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 you know, the human pro- procreation. So that's the brave new world. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see whether it's the brave new world, Richard, cause I don't, I just don't listen. Our, our ancestors knew that it was a higher power. They knew that. Uh, you dealing with stuff now that are, that, you might have other people chasing, but it was initiated by Europeans. They, mm-hmm. they never believed in a higher power. They always thought that they were the ones that dictated everything, and they still do. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's, things are coming to a head. People prophesied this in ancient texts that this stuff would be happening. Things are coming to a head eventually, one way or the other. Yes, I yes. mean, they can create, you know, they can create like that. The movie Frankenstein, mm-hmm. he was able to create a, 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 a guy walking around, but he didn't have the mentality or soul of a living being. Mm-hmm. So uh, they can create what they want that needs to be programmed or whatever. That's not going uh, that, whatever he comes up with 
is not going to work. It's just not. He might think it is. And some of our people did. We need not get caught up in what this man is doing. We just we just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, we'll keep it moving. You know that was a good suggestion too to reach out to because uh, I hadn't talked to, to uh, brother as Professor Alaron in a while. So you know, and and plus there's a lot of things happening now that wasn't happening when the last we talked to him, right. I think I think the last we talked to him, we talked to him about the last book that he had. Oh, no, it wasn't. A, he had that conference. I yeah, think. that was a conference the last time we talked to him. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a couple of the students on it. He had uh, kind of funneled our way. Right. right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we got to get him back on because a lot of things has happened since then. And hopefully after the guest that we had to reschedule, maybe we can get him on after her. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And then uh, we'll look for the update, the update from uh, Mason and some of the things that have went on there. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, some things mapped out for uh, upcoming program. Remind, um, I think, it, um, um, Professor Horn. You know. Oh, that's right. He's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I want to reach out back and get uh, uh, a Professor Taylor on or. Or okay. Urban Brown, because they're part of that commission to kind of, mm-hmm. because we're coming down the home stretch there, and there's a lot of misinformation and stuff that's been going around. So, uh, listen, you, you, you can tell when when our people are close to getting, accomplishing things, here comes the propaganda, the misinformation. Yep. It, 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 it follows a pattern. So, let us, uh, you know, at least we have a voice here where we can hear from these men. Uh, men are involved and, and let the marketplace of ideas, which is the other folks, hear what they're saying. Mm. And instead of me making up stuff or, or just thinking about what I, what, uh, or, or me saying what I think that they mean, we'll be able to hear from them personally. Before we leave, let me give the, uh, Line up on time on Awakening Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, Mississippi on the Move, the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. Brother Patrick Lumumba from 7 to 8 on Thursday. i got to reach out to Brother Patrick, too, to make sure everything is all right down there. Um. On Fridays, Time for an Awakening is back from 8 until, and on Saturdays, the Elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James' host from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, well, I, I won't mention it now, Richard, because I, I I told you, but I, I'll, I'll wait a couple of weeks before I mention it to the Time for Awakening audience about the return of one of the other programs. And also, uh, the Black Reality Think Tank is, is supposed to return by the end of the month. So it's a couple of things on the horizon there that uh, we'll be able to share with our audience in the coming weeks. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, in